You freely admit to detonating the engines of, and thereby destroying an M-Class Starfreighter, a rather expensive piece of a hardware. 42 million in adjusted dollars. That's minus payload, of course. The lifeboat's flight recorder corroborates some parts of your account, in that for reasons unknown, the Nostromo set down on LV-426, an unsurveyed planet at the time, that it resumed its course and was subsequently set for self-destruct by you for reasons unknown. Not for reasons unknown. I told you. We sat down there on company orders to get this thing, which destroyed my crew and your expensive ship. The analysis team, which went over the lifeboat centimeter by centimeter, found no physical evidence of the creature you describe. Good. That's because I blew it out the goddamn airlock. Like I said. There are no species like this hostile organism on LV-426. It's a rock. No indigenous life. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? Ma'am, I already said it was not indigenous. It was a derelict spacecraft. It was an alien ship. It was not from there. You get it? We homed in on its beacon. And found something never recorded once in any of the 300 surveyed worlds. A creature that gestates inside living human hosts. These are your words, and has concentrated acid for blood. That's right. Look, I can see where this is going, but I'm telling you, these things exist. Thank you, officer. That will be all. Please, you're not, you're not listening to me. Kane, the crew member. Kane, who went into that ship, he said he saw thousands of eggs there. Thousands. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if just one of these things gets down there, then then all of this, all of this bullshit you think is so important, you can just kiss that all goodbye. It is the finding of this court of inquiry that Warrant Officer E. Ripley, NOC 14472, has acted with questionable judgment and is unfit to hold an ICT license as a commercial flight officer. Said license is hereby suspended indefinitely. No criminal charges will be filed against you at this time. You are released on your own recognizance for six months of psychometric probation to include monthly review by an ICC psychiatric technician. These proceedings are closed. After floating in space for 57 years, Lieutenant Ellen Ripley's shuttle was found by a deep space salvage team. After being rescued, she agrees to return to LV-426 to help a group of Marines locate its lost colonists. However, she and her well-armed companions find only one survivor, a nine-year-old girl named Newt living in the colony. To their horror, they soon discover that they are anything but alone on the remote planet. Welcome to another feature presentation of Midnight Double Feature, and on this episode, we'll be covering 1986's Aliens, directed by James Cameron. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Midnight Double Feature. This is a feature presentation full of firsts for us. Uh, first time we're diving into the Alien uh, franchise. The first time we have Josh from LSG Media. On how, how you doing, Josh? What's going on? I'm doing very well. I'm excited to be here. You've uh, you've lured the C team from LSG Media onto the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, even the C team is good, right? <laughs> um, and of course, my main man, Colin. Colin, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good, buddy. How you guys doing? Josh, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. And uh, boy, were you uh, were you awfully kind to let me make some recommendations or <laughs> hopeful picks for movies I would like to cover, and uh, for settling on this guy. Well, dude. 
I mean, the three movies that you threw out at us, I was like, God damn, he's throwing out some some fucking heavy hitters. <laughs> he's throwing out some heavy hitters because, like, Colin and I have this, like, unspoken list of movies that we're not really, we're, we're so scared to touch because we don't have the confidence to do them justice. And, okay, I, I don't know about uh, one of them, but two of those movies are on my list. Like, you know what I mean? And this is one of those list movies. Like, of course. Like, it's fucking James Cameron's 96 Aliens. Uh, 86 Aliens. Like, Jesus, fuck. Um, but, yeah, before we dive right into it, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We are obviously Midnight Double Feature. This is what's called a feature presentation episode. We're going to go through Aliens. We're going to do it sequentially. We're going to be swearing. We're going to be spoiling it. Obviously, if you haven't seen this fucking... What is it? Thirty-year-old movie? <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, something 30, like forty. Thirty-three. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, we're gonna have a damn good time doing it. So if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know why. Uh, switch this off and then come back. Uh, and follow us on our socials, which is Midnight Double Feature, which is our main page, and then we have the After Party, which is our little community group. Um, that's where we post uh, memes uh, and news and dick pics and whatever the fuck. Um, and uh, feel free to follow us on Instagram, which is admin on double feature, and Twitter, which is at MDF Pod. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. That would be fantastic. Uh, Josh, do you have anything you want to plug? Well, LSG Media as uh, as the yeah. uh, representative from there. Um, specifically, the thing I'm most involved with. I'm not on nearly as many movies as I used to be. Um, but my main thing I do with Dean is the uh, X Files podcast. X Files. So it's a little bit of a niche thing, but um, one of my favorite shows of all time, and uh, we have a blast with it. It's uh, we love the show a lot, but we have a lot of fun with it. Um, we release episodes every other week. We started by kind of selectively doing it, and then uh, we said. Fuck it. We love this thing. We went back and uh, we're just wrapping up uh, season two. These are back in the days when TV had like 25 episodes a season. So <laughs> yeah. they take us a while. But um, yeah, that's kind of my my main thing on the pod. I'll tell you what, slight, slight tangent. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into many tangents. <laughs> this is the first. Um, fucking I'm following I'm following your podcast, uh, the, the X-Files podcast uh, for the first time still. Um, I haven't seen anything past season two of X-Files, so I'm kind of like watching an episode, listening to you guys' episodes, and then watching another one, listening to you guys, and it's just, it's it's great. It's a great way to experience that show, um, and, and I love it. And you guys have a corresponding uh, Facebook page as well for that one. Uh, ben Pru is a mutual member of the After Party. Uh, man, BP9000. <laughs> I was not thinking about him, dude. I he loves his shit. He yeah. loves his shit, dude. Does um, half, half the job for me. Yeah, he <laughs> fucking compiles your notes and everything. I wish I had someone like that. God damn. <laughs> Where are you guys at after party? Step up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, all right, man. Let's fucking dive right into this bitch, right? We've, we've wasted so much fucking time doing preamble and shit. But guys, Aliens, 1986, James Cameron. Um, oh, fuck. Actually, this is a special edition we're covering. Just wanted to put that out there, uh, mm. in case everyone's kind of like, "Where, where are they? Uh, where are these scenes coming from?" We're covering the special edition. Uh, Josh, you're the guest. Kick us off with your thoughts of 1986's Aliens. Give us your uh, history on the franchise. What your, uh, where you came into it, how old you were, and all that shit. Hit me. All right. Well, um, no, uh, no shocker here. Like many, I absolutely love this movie. I think it's on. The top, very near the top of a lot of people's, you know, sci-fi favorites. Um, and this was actually the first uh, Alien franchise movie I saw. I saw this before Alien. Mm -hmm. um, and I have seen this more, I mean, 
infinitely more than any other movie uh, in the franchise. I've probably seen Aliens, I would guess, 25 times at least minimum um, over the course of my life. I've probably seen the original Alien less than a handful, like maybe three or four times in its entirety. Saw Alien three once, never saw Resurrection, saw Prometheus once, never saw Covenant. So as much as I, I love you know, in a, in a way I love the aliens world. It's really mostly for me, this movie and the original alien, um, which I, I think, I guess if I was going to try to be objective, which I very rarely try to do, I might say is perhaps a, a better film if I wanted to like think of it that way. But aliens is by far my favorite. Um, it's fun. It's tense. The characters are great. There's, I mean, I've spent the majority of my life quoting this movie, especially Hudson, of course, <laughs> the, the Pax himself. Um, and the there's Pax. just so much here to love, man. There's so, so much that this movie does well um, from the get go. I think it is the archetype of, of sci-fi action. Um, it's both an incredible action movie an incredible science fiction movie. Um, the characters Ripley, um, her story in this is is awesome. And I think the special edition, you know, we don't have to really get into all the differences, but I think adds a lot to that enhances her, her story, especially with that, the maternal, the mother daughter arc, which obviously wasn't something I appreciated when I saw this as probably a 12 year old boy. Um, but there's, there's more to love every time I watch it. I will never get tired of this movie. Um, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Colin hit me. Man, I love near dark. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, um, I absolutely. I don't think it's any secret. Like what Josh said, I absolutely adore this film. This is one of the um, few like VHSs I would still go out and buy because there's something about. I love watching this on Blu-ray. I love watching the special edition, but there is something so magical about it being on VHS. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the the the, the lower quality of it or if it's strictly subjective nostalgia. Uh, but I, I just absolutely adore watching it on VHS. And you know, it's fine on Blu-ray. I've got it on Blu-ray. I, I really really dig it. The Blu-ray version I have is just. I didn't realize how fucking balls to the wall it was with like the making of aliens which is like a three hour long documentary there's like the mother version which is like as you're watching it's like an interactive menu like it's kind of like amazon x-ray but just for this movie uh with, I didn't, with breaks for breastfeeding breaks right yeah dude shit. i mean it's like if you go into all the shit it's like six <laughs> fucking hours long dude it takes forever um but no i this was Obviously, like what like what Josh said, this was my first introduction to the Alien franchise. I'd always known. I mean, it's iconic as fuck. I mean, you've got Ridley Scott, which is in his prime, one of the best directors of all time. James Cameron, who has never really seemed to have made a bad movie. I mean, if you look at their track records, I mean, he's got a hell of a better track record than Ridley Scott, to be completely honest. But neither one of them have just made like that movie was garbage. You you might not like what Ridley Scott's done recently, but I think I think it ends up being more subjective than than anything. Do I like Prometheus? No. Did I see Alien Covenant? Fuck no. Uh, to me, Alien stops after this. And I saw a little bit of the third one, watched the first five, first five minutes, fucking hated it, turned it off. I was like, well, goodbye. I mean, if anybody who's seen a, the third one, Alien 3, knows what happens, he's scared. I just turned it off. I was like, no, I'm good. This was... I, but, you know, it's crazy. I can't remember the first time I watched it. I, I, I just can't. I don't know if it was just something, if it was like a cultural kind of 
osmosis where I just, you know, get away from her, you bitch, and, you know, game over, man. If it was just something that I knew from cultural osmosis or if I just thought that I'd seen it all those years ago. But I definitely, I mean, in my late teens to early 20s was I just balls deep into shit like this, shit like Near Dark, Blade Runner. And I love this kind of companion universe with uh, Terminator and Near Dark and Aliens. This, I mean, this was just like the prime time of of a sci-fi horror fan. Uh, it, it just, I, I don't think there's a better blend of science fiction action. And the, I think a big, and Josh and I were talking about this uh, the other day, a big asterisk that people should probably put next to these is that Alien, Ridley Scott Alien is a is a horror sci-fi film and with with action elements. This is an action sci-fi film with horror elements. And I think it's important to remember that if you're if you're watching it, if you want somebody who just wants, you know, um, you know, a, 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 a beer chugging, shooting, shoot them up like good time. You should probably watch this. If you want to scare the fuck out of somebody, put Alien in. Um, like I said, I don't remember the first time I watched it. I can remember. I mean, Sigourney Weaver was always Dana Barrett to me. That's that's I mean, uh, uh, forever <laughs> and ever, forever and ever. Amen. Growing up as a kid. So <clears throat> it's interesting that seeing her come into a, a totally different role than Dana Barrett. She's kind of just like a damsel in distress in that. Um, but it's interesting seeing her. And I think we have James Cameron to thank for a lot of, I mean, two of the biggest women in all of like sci-fi who sci-fi who are badass. And, and I appreciate the badassery of them because it's not a forced shoehorned progressive kind of thing. I mean, this is uh, in the middle of the fucking eighties. He's, he's developing, uh, and you know, late eighties, early nineties, we got Sarah Connor, Sarah, Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor and Ellen Ripley. And they feel so naturally art over the course of two films. And I think it's so incredible how he was able to do that. Um, I think you have to give some hats off to Ridley Scott because he set up this character Ripley, but I think Cameron was the one who was able to come along and really flesh her out as this complete and total badass. Now, I've definitely got some production notes to go over as we get into it, but just as my initial thoughts, I mean, I think this is maybe one or two things if I could wave the magic wand of my subjective taste at this film. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's damn near a perfect movie. It is the epitome of um, practical effects in the 80s, uh, along with something like The Thing. I think it holds up just as well as something like The Thing. It even has a, a feeling of that, of an ensemble group trapped in an isolated place getting picked off by an alien creature. I mean, it kind of feels like that. But I think that this has cemented itself. It has held up for years. And I would be, I would be, I'm trying to think of the right word. I would be surprised to find another sci fi horror film that would possibly, or sci fi action horror film that could possibly top, let alone rival something like this. I, I, I hold this in very, very high regard. And it's funny when Josh threw out his picks immediately I was like, dude, let's do fucking aliens. You know, it, it was just, it, it felt like it's like, it's just time. It's time to fucking dive into this franchise. And I would have been fine to do the first one, but I'm equally glad to do the second one. And I'm even more glad to have Josh here doing it with us. Oh yeah, dude. Um, it's funny. Actually, oh, that shit. <laughs> I can't follow either of that shit. Um, but it's funny that you said that because like, when when you know when we when we 100% chose to cover aliens on the podcast um i went out and i bought i hadn't, i bought alien the first one because i hadn't seen it in a very long time and i was like you know what i'm going to put myself in the zone for like maybe like four and a half hours and watch both back to back 
And that's exactly what I did last weekend when we chose the picks. And man, it's just such a great experience to to witness both of those two films back to back. Man, the switching of the genre is brave as fuck. Like, you know, it's just like it, it's like how do you how do you follow a already perfect science fiction horror film in the 1979 Alien? You you kind of can't, right? So you kind of like have to switch up the switch up the genre it pretty much all together and give us aliens. And that's exactly what Jim Cameron did. And it was fucking, I mean, it speaks for itself. But yeah, man, it's funny that you say that you can't pinpoint the exact time frame when you first watch this film because I can. <laughs> and it is nice. embarrassing. I'm telling you right now, it's embarrassing how recent it is. Oh, no. Yeah. Last weekend. Yeah, last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it was actually, I was still working at the cinema. So uh, it's uh, between that little 2010, 2015 sweet spot. And it was actually right before Prometheus came out. So it was actually 2012. That was the first time I watched that movie seven years ago. I was 18 years old. And I, it, it's funny because Prometheus, I still maintain that has one of the greatest trailers of all time like the marketing team really needed to sell that pile of shit and <laughs> and and man they did such a good job with that trailer i watched that trailer in cinemas and i was like fuck that that looks awesome and then like from there i was like you know what i'm gonna just dive into aliens where i'm just gonna go headstrong into this one uh, into this franchise and I did and I fucking fell in love with the first and second one um like you said Colin third one not that great uh but I mean you know it's still still watchable um considering what they do in the first five minutes by the way all I'm gonna say is Terminator Dark Fate if no one's seen it yet uh I, I doubt you guys have seen it but it's yeah pretty much the same shit there Schmish Morshin Schmish Morshin yeah exactly Rhymes with Schmish Morshin um and yeah, well, it's it's actually funny because like that was not my introduction to aliens, the the, the creatures. Like, I mean, I grew up with fucking Alien versus Predator coming out. Like, I mean, as a ten year old, yeah. I'm gonna go see that shit. Like, I mean, because it sounds great. And man, I mean, as a kid, I'm not gonna lie, I love those movies, but they're garbage. They are garbage. And, and and you know, like if you watch them today, it's just like, God damn, this is fucking brutal. That, that's um, it's funny you say it's one of the only movies as a movie guy, I don't walk out on movies. There's only two films I've ever walked out on. A V P Requiem was the first one. Yeah. I was like, see ya. Yeah. Bye. I'm out. That's, Fuck this. That second one directed by the Strauss brothers is just absolutely painful because I mean, it's shot like a you can't even see anything. It's dark as shit. But but yeah, so anyway, look, man, aliens. <laughs> I fucking love this movie, and I think I agree with you, Colin. This is a perfect movie, let alone a perfect sequel, and that that just doesn't happen these days or any days. Like, I mean, how often do you get the perfect sequel, right? Between this and Terminator Two, fucking Fury Road, even like you know, it's 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 tough to like throw out a perfect sequel. Godfather Two, I'd probably put up there as well, but it's yeah. like it's it's like it's so uncommon and like when it happens it's just like god damn like how do you do this like twice in a row you know but yeah this this movie's fantastic from start to finish the pacing of it okay so this is something i want to talk about um this special edition is a two and a half hour film it was cut down to i believe is the theatrical 215 or something like that i think it's 15 minutes right 15 minutes shorter yeah yeah i think it's like 40 extra minutes is, is, it, is oh, that right josh 40 
No, I think it's only like 17 yeah. extra minutes. Oh, fuck, so, them. I'm way uh, off. A- yeah. Aliens is already longer than Alien. It's like 215-ish, yeah. uh, 218, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I-, I thought it was somewhere around that mark. And, I mean, like, obviously, like, the reason for that was because the studio said, no, this is too fucking long. Like, uh, audiences aren't going to fucking sit through this two-and-a-half-hour epic. And for me, like, long- I can watch a long movie any day of the week, as long as it has two elements, as long as it's got a compelling story and the pacing isn't brutal. And this movie absolutely knocks that out of the park for me. It's fucking compelling. And the pacing of this is fucking incredible, dude. Um, something that I actually just this week, I watched um, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. That movie is three and a half hours long, but I'd never felt it. And only because it has those two elements, you know, like it's compelling and great pacing. Um, but yeah, this this movie... Oh, man, what, what else is there to say about it that hasn't been said by you two and other podcasts out there, dude? Like, this is, um, it's okay. For me, What this time around watching it, everyone says it's a war movie. I I think I might disagree on that. I think, yes, like, you know, you've still got the, the colonial marines. You've still got this, like, really uh, a kind of metaphorical aspect of it from the Vietnam War, which is all great and all. But I still think that at the heart of it, this is still a survival film, very much like the first, just done differently. What do you guys think about that? Josh, you go ahead. Yeah, there's definitely the way the the marines, the unit in this, it smacks a lot of Vietnam, like late Vietnam. And this came out. In 86 and it was written I think he wrote it Cameron wrote it like a few years earlier than that so America had a a real pretty bad Vietnam War hangover and it was like that late war everything just sucks everybody's demoralized and all the like you know when you watch those late shitty Vietnam movies as far as you know when the situation was shitty, um, you know, there's no, it's not good order and discipline. It's not, uh, it's not that Mel Gibson, um, we were soldiers once, you know, uh, <laughs> glory days. It's, you know, everybody's nasty and their uniforms are all ratted up and there's no discipline. Um, so that aspect strikes me the most as like a, a war movie, um, and the way they act going into it. Um, but it's yeah. really that first action scene, which you talk about pacing, um, I mean, the first, I guess, real um, (coughs) bad action scene um, for our boys is like over an hour into the movie, which is crazy because it doesn't feel like it takes that long. But that's the payoff is so great. And from there, it's really a slap in the face. Um, No, we're not going to war. We are just barely trying to survive. So, yeah, no, that's 100 percent. And seriously, that like like you mentioned, that first action sequence comes about. I think it's 110 or something like that. And the way this podcast episode is going to work is uh, I'm going to lead the first half and Colin's going to lead the second half. And I'm just like, uh, hey, Colin, can you like <coughs> take over from like the drop after the dropship crashes? Because, man, I, I barely have anything to talk about in the first half. <laughs> like, you know, like, that's just, it's like it all kicks off in the second act. I mean, not that, you know, the first half is like devoid of anything. It's just like there's no there's they don't get into the shit. Um, but yeah, like the the Vietnam War stuff, especially this time around watching it, definitely stuck out to me a lot more. And I know I'm about to talk fucking a Vietnam War to two Americans. Uh, this is this is kind of like the hey, the you guys two, were there like, too. This Thanks, is Australia. Like, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess this is like mansplaining. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's the equivalent of that. Of that. But um, oh yeah, man. Anyway, I've yapped on for fucking ages, man. I. I love this movie. Um, I, I I watch it pretty much every year, and I think I definitely watch it more than the first Aliens, only because 
horror, that kind of horror to me doesn't have a high rewatchability factor. Whereas this is just kind of like boom, 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 go. We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna go from point A to B, and we're gonna rescue. We're gonna rescue um fucking Newt now. Like it's just it's it's crazy. It's the pacing of this is just next next level insane. But yeah, guys, what do you reckon we get into this bitch? Let's do it. Yeah, let's go. Okay. We're some real pretty rock. shit now, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love I it. Do, I love it. <laughs> I do want to throw in just a hair full of production things really quick because yeah. I have fucking Please. I have no Absolutely. I, I have I have no idea when the fuck I'll bring these back up again. Well, at least um, one of us did our homework, right? <laughs> right, a little bit. I watched a couple of panels in the making of and shit. Um, but it was it was really fucking interesting because this this whole thing, if it hadn't been for, I think it was Conan the Destroyer, the second Conan, I think, or it might have been the first one. I think it was the second one that Arnold Schwarzenegger got held up. They said, "Hey, you know, we have we're doing the Terminator. We're gonna wait like nine months for Arnold to do Terminator, which isn't." insane uh, you know the fact that they would wait for him so Cameron had that ready to go it wasn't enough time to make another movie he starts writing the sequel to Aliens because he loved the first one he has a lot of respect for that which is why I think this one does so well um, one of the well, I mean one of the many reasons why but so he writes this thing he only gets about 90 pages and he starts working on Terminator and Fox I was listening to, to uh, Gail Ann Hurd talk about this and she was saying Fox did the unthinkable and was like hey finish writing the script and we will let you if Terminator goes well we'll let you direct it well i mean history you know uh, yeah i don't think i really need to tell anybody how successful terminator was um so obviously he got to direct it but it's kind of insane that what happened is they they start getting into it he sent it to sigourney weaver sigourney weaver's like i really love what you're doing uh she's like i I do want a little bit more money for coming back for the second one. Cameron's like, cool, whatever. I mean, you're badass now. You've been in fucking Ghostbusters. You know, you're you're doing shit. You're 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 a household name. Fox is like, well, what we want you to do is to write a script in case we don't want to pay her that much. And Cameron was like, go fuck yourself. He's like, I will. There's absolutely no way we're doing this movie without Sigourney Weaver. Um, so they ended up paying her for it and shit, which is just re- how are you going to make a fucking sequel about the survivor of the Nostromo without fuck? I just so ridiculous trying to think of like a sequel to Aliens in that way. But what's and it's just so weird how this was filmed in England as well, which I've heard it's more expensive to film in England with certain things. But th- most of this shit with the whole colony was shot in the access chemical set of Batman, which later on they came in and there was like all these like egg pods and bodies stuck to the wall. And they were like, what the fuck? And they hadn't <laughs> they had not like str- stricken the set and like torn a bunch of shit down. So there was all this horrible shit like everywhere. But my favorite thing that I have to take away from this is. I mean, my favorite part of this whole movie is Lance Hendrickson. I mean, he's he's my favorite everything. I fucking love Lance Hendrickson. He's my probably my favorite actor. He's so fucking underrated. Um, but it, it almost made me kind of sad hearing about what, how he took away from Bishop was that he played Bishop like a 12-year-old kid. And he was like, Bishop was this extremely innocent kid. And basically, Lance Henriksen, I mean, he just flat out said, he's like, I came from a semi-abusive household and I never held the adults angry because I knew that I would outlive them. So that's how I treated Bishop when people treated him bad. I just, well, I'm going to outlive you. And it's like, holy shit. Fuck. Like, that is fuck. I mean, it's dark, but at the same time, like, that dude is so fucking interesting, man. Like, 
like listening to his like I did. There was a whole panel with Paul Reiser and and um, Jeanette Goldstein and 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 a whole bunch of people. And halfway through it, Lance Henriksen's talking about something, and somebody just stopped and they're like, "You're a fucking weird dude, Lance." Like in front of everybody, they're like, "You have such the the most interesting way to like look at shit." They ended up pass, uh, casting Paul Reiser from Beverly Hills Cop because they're like, "Oh, we need this guy who people are going to look at and think he's nice and funny and likable because that will make that that knife twist sting even more." And what's crazy is Beverly Hills Cop gets him Aliens, Aliens gets him Stranger Things uh, too, which is why they cast him in Stranger Things too because they wanted that that kind of twist with the with the doctor that he was playing. And it's so interesting seeing how one role leads to another leads to another. And the guy, I, I'm not sure who he plays. The actor's name is Rico Ross, uh, but he was in between almost about to do full metal jacket and he's he's like one of the only black marines in this and he he was i Does might be the frost? only one actually is he frost do, i'm not sure yeah I, he's I mean frost. It's, okay. okay thank you i don't have the cast bolt in front of me but he said that kubrick was like yeah i want you for this role and he's like at this point i mean cameron had done terminator but like come on who the fuck kubrick. is i mean we're, yeah. we're talking about kubrick yeah and he said he was just like fuck kubrick and he's like i'm so glad i did because production of uh, Full Metal Jacket ran on for like two years. And he's like, and I'm so glad. That, I mean, and his career never really like took off, took off. He's like, but I would have been wrapped up in fucking, I mean, Full Metal Jacket for like two years. I'm so glad I never did it. But I mean, that's that's most of the production shit that I had. I know that they, they looked at 3,000 people in England before they really started getting through the cast of the Americans and shit, which is insane. Um, the little girl, Newt, she was never acted in her life. They just pulled her out of school one day. It was like, yeah, you know. You look like the part. And what's crazy is that deleted scene when it's her and her brother, that's her that's her real brother. Yeah. They were just like, cool, fuck it. You're you look like her. Fucking whatever. We'll <laughs> go for this. But I mean, that's pretty much it on like the production side the the production uh side of shit. There's a couple little things I'll sprinkle in when the time comes, but just a little production notes at the beginning. I have one more thing actually. Um while they oh, were it. filming in in uh over there in England, they would do like tea breaks. Like they, oh, they'd yeah. stop for tea. And James Cameron is a sort of like, he's a bit more of an intense director. Like he wants to keep things moving, you know, and obviously shutting down production costs fucking money. You know? So they're like, hey, guys, we ain't going to stop for tea. <laughs> like, we're not going to do this. Uh, I just thought that was like a really weird note, like, you know, because British and tea and Craig Dealey, like. i actually read it got it got pretty chippy like a near mutiny on set because most of the cast um i'm sorry not the cast most of the crew had worked with ridley scott an alien who's a brit Mm -hmm. and cameron's an american and they felt like really loyal to um ridley scott it's like this was his thing and then this brash americans coming in and being a dick and telling us we can't take you know eat our tea and scones um so it got uh, it got pretty nasty. I think there was like a near walk off at some point. Damn. Well, uh, all hail the Commonwealth, hey? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, let's kick this bitch off. We open on the Nostromo's life pod that we saw at the end of the first film. The interiors, man, like these interiors here. If you like change the tone of it a little bit and like move the time back about a couple hundred years and imagine Indiana Jones opening a crypt or a tomb, th- that's what this reminded me of. Like, you know what I mean? Like, as this robot cuts it open, and it's just like a fucking mummified corpse inside. I don't don't know. I just thought, you know, got a little bit of a parallel there, but I guess not. 
<laughs> well, I, I love the. I, I love the gun. This, so. <laughs> I love the gun and the door from the, from the first Alien film, like with a harpoon gun. It's like such a a nice. I think that's such a cool, respectful. Like, hey, if, is this what happened in the first film? Cool. We need to add that little gun stuck in the bottom of the door. Like, what an attention to detail and like respect for the first film. I fucking love that. Totally, dude. And I mean, like, it's been. In in real life, it's been seven years, right? Seven years? No, yeah, seven years since the first Alien. So it's like, like the 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 amount of like painstaking detail that you'd need to go through, like after seven years of that shit, like it'll be awesome. Um, but I, I do like the shot as this guy uh, in the suit like dusts off the ice off her off the off the tank. Um, it reveals Ripley asleep with the cat uh, Jonesy. By our readouts are green. She's alive. And we see this massive space station, gateway station. It actually, it reminds me of the, the rebel fleet at the end of the of Empire for some reason. Like, just the way it looks. Mm. Like, I know, like, there's no walkways and shit, but just all those ships gathered. Gave me a little bit of a, little bit of feels. She wakes up and we meet Carter Burke, like you said, Colin, played by Paul Reiser. He works for the company. Uh, have we, okay, so in the first one, was there, was it, was Waylon Yutani mentioned by name? No. It, it was the company, and I don't yeah. think, I don't think in the entire movie they ever say Waylon Yutani. You just see the, um, you see the their logo, logo all yeah. over shit. Yeah, yeah, and, on um, literally everything. everything. If you look closely, it is on everything. Everything. Yeah, even like I mean, like we've already seen it when these guys fucking walked in and saved her, right? Like they they found her. Sorry, she. Burke says she was in an unusually long hypersleep, and that fucking piques her interest. Uh, she wants to know how long she was out there. She doesn't real. She doesn't recognize the place. And man, Weave is great here. Like she just cuts him off, and she's like, "How long, please?" Turns out she was there for 55, 57 years, drifting through the core systems, and it was just dumb luck that a deep salvage team found her. Yikes! What do you guys think about the time jump? Josh, go for it. I just I think it sets up. Like I I kind of mentioned in the intro, one of the things that I appreciate a lot more you know, with more recent viewings is, is Ripley's arc here, not just into more and more of a hero, but just her, her personal life. And without that time jump, um, that's what really sets it up because it, it completely separates her. You know, obviously she lost her crew. She had this horrific experience, but then she had something come back to a daughter. And now that's gone because of this time jump. So she has nothing, you know, I'm jumping ahead, but obviously she loses her license, everything like that. So it sets up this, this need for her to go back. And it's, it's a compelling, believable reason. And I think without that, it would be like, why would this person who barely survived this ever be back in this situation voluntarily? Um, and I think the time jump and that this extreme isolation kind of hopeless, um, state it puts her in, uh, makes that kind of feasible and, and sets up that cool arc for her. Right, and this is like the first gut punch, right? Like, we, we haven't even got to the daughter yet. So just imagine, like, waking up from this hypersleep and being like, well, well you're, you know, 60 years and pretty much everything you know is dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck, dude. It's, it's funny, actually, because, and Josh, you're probably about to roll your eyes, but there's something, <laughs> there's something I love about, like, this, like, someone waking up in a different time period. Like, that just reminded me a lot of, like, Captain America, because obviously I was familiar with that shit first. And just the the man out of time situation to me is just so fascinating. Like being like having to come to terms with your past, but also having to learn about your new future or your new present. Like 
that shit to me is just like so fascinating. And I, I love how it happens here, especially especially with Ripley's sort of relationship with Bishop, right? I mean, like based on what she already knew about Ash, it's like, oh, fuck, I, I, I'm assuming that all androids are dangerous still. That aspect of the man at a time, it applies to everything from Rip Van Winkle to Captain America to fucking Fry from Futurama. Like, yeah. it's everywhere when you look around. I, I, I absolutely love a character like that. Right, exactly. And, yeah, it, it definitely lends more to a science fiction. I mean, you can't really do that with any other genre, really. But, yeah, she starts convulsing, clutching her chest. Uh, of course, for those of, uh, for those of us who've seen the first one, we know exactly what's about to happen. And uh, notably, she says, kill me. Goddamn. Um, <laughs> awesome effect as the chest burster pushes against her skin. Yikes. And she wakes up in a sweat and cuddles Jonesy. Um, this is cool because it's kind of like, I mean, if you if you are taking that, you know, Vietnam War analogy, this is kind of like sort of like PTSD survivors sort of remorse kind of thing happening here. Yeah. And it's also what's cool is that we all talked about in the beginning how this is more of, you know, an action movie than Alien is. And you don't really think about it, but the transition is good even in the movie because the beginning of the movie still has a lot of horror kind of feel to it um, from that, you know, that slow drifting ship out there, cutting in, finding her. It's very creepy. It's very dark lit. It's very slow building. And then this scene is pretty horrific. So the movie itself, like on its own, almost transitions us from this horror to uh, to more of the action feel later. Oh, for sure. Like there's definitely like an element of dread. Like it starts off very, you know, doom and gloom. And I mean, like, you know, the, that element works its way through throughout the entire movie. But uh, once we get to the Colonial Marines, it's a bit more hopeful. Right. It's funny, actually. <laughs> Have you guys seen the movie Holes? Yeah, that's actually that's actually my first introduction of Sigourney Weaver. And like, you know, for you, for you, she's always Dana Barrett. But for me, she's always been the warden. <laughs> that's a like, good book. Can you hear the empty spaces? Like that shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. She sits outside, or so we think. It's actually this uh, holo- holographic uh, little... What is this? I-, I-, I like this, man. Like, I like this this new tech. She talks to Burke about this hearing, wants to know about her daughter. Burke reveals that her daughter had passed away at the age of 66 due to cancer. No children. She was cremated. And, uh, man, like, Burke, you know, the way he kind of, like, gives her all these facts, it's so matter-of-factly, like, he's he's trying to, like, be empathetic, but it's like, well, here's all these facts and uh, pretty much life-changing information for you, but here you go. <laughs> Take this as you will. I would, right, I, I would focus on getting ready for the meeting, not worrying about your dead daughter. Yeah, like, yeah, fuck right. off, <clears throat> Burke. You know, eat, that's what- eat a dick. That's what I think is so interesting, because if you if you think about it at first, he's like, hey, let's just get to this meeting. We'll talk about that later. That could be seen as a kind of like, hey, let's not go in. Let's not go into a meeting that is very important to your life and your career and anything beyond this with a lot of emotional baggage. But really, when you know his ulterior motives, this is more of a thing of like, hey, let's get you in there so I can take you where I need to take you without a whole lot of fuss. And it's like now now he's because she goes in there with this. I mean, for lack of a better term, emo, this this baggage, she I mean, she she's obviously extremely upset. But then now he has to strike this deal with the board and get her license back and all this other shit. And it's it's interesting. It's But when you know exactly what's going on, it's like, man, you everything <clears throat> It's one of those people when as you watch it, you're like everything he does is for his own personal gain. Like when you re- when you think about the extent that he goes to in this film and you can't I can't help but apply that to every single one of his 
judgments or one of any of his actions in this. Uh, and I think, I mean, Paul Rogers just has a fucking amazing job of, of selling the, the, um, she, the, the wolf in sheep's clothing, you know? Right. And he, he downplays everything. Like we'll get to like a couple of sequences later when, you know, things are obviously falling apart and he's like, ah, no, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. It's, 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 you know, it's just a little, just a little, a little bit of a problem, a little bit of a setback. It's fine. <laughs> I, I do also say this is a huge mistake to delete this scene out. Huge mistake. Like most of the other stuff I can kind of live without, but this is huge. Like this should have never been, I don't, I mean, this is not in the original, like theatrical version, right? I mean, she's been asleep for 57 years. I think you can put two and two together, but uh, this was the first time I remember really seeing the scene. And I was like, dude, this is huge. This is absolutely huge. This never should have been cut out of the original because it's so much character development for her. It's also why she gets so attached to Newt. I mean, it's kind of a, a, a substitution for her daughter. You know, she, she's lost a family. She's lost a daughter. It's the puzzle pieces, man. I'd say, I just think it's a huge mistake having cut that out. No, exactly. And I mean, like, you know, if, if you're talking thematics for the movie, like the the, re, the reconnection or like rather having Newt as like the, I guess, the, the avatar <coughs> of her daughter uh, that she has to protect and save, that's a massive thing. And the fact that she fights the fucking alien queen at the end, who herself is a mother, like, you know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's all, it's all, it's all thematical, baby. <laughs> all right. Where are we? So she says, yeah, she was supposed to be back in time for her 11th birthday. And I'm just like, Weaver, I fucking love you, dude. Like, she's, she's fantastic. She's so endearing. But at the same time, she can be so tough. Like we see in this next scene, that, which is the deposition. 42 million in adjusted dollars was what the Nostromo was worth. Um, and the suits are trying to straighten this out. Not for reasons unknown. We sat down there on LV426. I told you, we sat down there on company orders. Uh, suits say there's no evidence of the creature. Uh, she says she blew the creature out of the goddamn airlock. And <laughs> I just, I love how snarky she is, right? Like, did, did Ikea's just drop suddenly while I was away? Reminds this scene me. is so 80s too, though, isn't it? Like, fucking evil corporate douchebag shills oh, and suits around the table. Like, oh man, this is that, that's so 80s, you know, Gen X kind of so like, 80s. fuck the man. It's so 80s. And it's actually, it's funny you bring that up because like, Let's think about this the other way. Um, if this movie was made today, considering the 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 movement that Hollywood is going through right now, right? Like, I mean, you know, girl power and all that shit. I mean, like, hey, I'm all for that shit. But, like, do you reckon Ripley would be received the same way uh, as, she, as she is if this movie was made now? Do you know what I'm getting at right now? Oof, no. I mean, yes, yeah. I know what you're getting at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, th I think it's <clears throat> I think something like Alien and Aliens, when you look at the type of look at the trailers for the new Charlie's Angels, looks like hot, hot looks like hot liquid garbage. And I, I wouldn't it has nothing to do with the fact that there's women in it. I'm not interested in a story like that. I'm not interested in a story that the plot should come first. And if you want to have a message like that, it's awesome. But it should be natural to the story. And it feels so shoehorned in and it feels forced with something like Charlie's Angels. And it's fine. I mean. If, if people like that movie, I'm not taking anything away from them. Enjoy it. Great. That's awesome. But personally, I just don't think that. I mean, look at these characters of Sarah Connor and Ellen Ripley, and it's a natural progression in their characters, and it's a believable progression. And that's why we enjoy it. And that's why we don't. I or maybe that's why I enjoy it. Maybe that's why I don't feel like it's so tacked on. It feels very natural. Yeah. I mean, I grew up. 
my, you know, this was one of my, as I said, favorite sci-fi movies from very early. And this in Star Wars, you know, it's funny, you know, especially Leia is, uh, you know, Carrie mm-hmm. Fisher is always thought of, I, you know, I think is sort of a, you know, not just the character of uh, Prince Leia being a pretty strong female character, but also kind of a sex symbol. And I think Sigourney Weaver um, objectively is a very attractive woman, but I saw them at an, at an age, both of them where, yeah, I guess probably just because my balls hadn't dropped yet. And then like, (laughs) I was never attracted to either of them. And I never really, I never really thought of them as female or not. It it was just, they were just badasses because they were. And it was like you said that I don't want to get super into uh, politics and identity politics um, in particular, but um, man, Ellen Ripley is just such a great character and believable. And you know, you have the benefit of two, two movies as you do with Sarah Connor to build them up to, to it. But I mean, the payoff is so strong by the end of this movie, when she is taking over, she's completely running the show after Gorman shits himself. um, (laughs) And Hicks, Hicks at best is kind of backing her up and, you know, then her, her role in, in rescuing new, it is so earned and it's so believable. Um, and that actual final confrontation, when she goes down there, it's like, yeah, get some, you've earned it. You completely believe that she's capable of this by that point, because of how much, um, you've, you've seen the character go through. It's, 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 it's brilliant because like, what feeds that, what feeds her becoming the the leader that she is by the end of this movie is her knowledge, her pre-existing knowledge of like how the aliens function, like from the first one, right? So in that in that way, like that just creates like the perfect setup for a sequel. And I think um, James Cameron did a fantastic job writing this character. Yeah. But and I think some of the stuff that Colin was, you know, sort of hitting at too is that it's not that she's a strong character. She's a strong person. They don't have to make her be able to toss around, you know, physically throw an alien over her shoulder or do, you know, crazy things. You just write a strong person. Yeah. And there mm-hmm. you go. And she's believable when she steps in and takes charge. Exactly. Someone, I, I think, go, I'm no, sorry. Go, yeah, go ahead. Well, the, I think the hu- the difference between exactly what you just said is Vasquez and Ripley. That's the difference. Yeah. Like, that's the yeah, difference between sure. this woman. I mean, Vasquez would kill <clears throat> me and Zohab. I don't know about Josh. He probably put up a fight. But, I mean, she would <laughs> definitely kill. She would definitely kill both of our fucking pudgy asses, like, really quick. Um, but, you know, versus Ripley, uh, it's, maybe it's not the physical intimidation thing, but it's that um, it's that that presence. They said they said she was like that on, on set. She was a leader. She would fight for people and be like, no, you cannot cut this person's scene. And with, like, not even a scene she was in. And she was very uh, maternal towards 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 nude and she was they said she was a strong leader in a nurturing way towards everybody on set and it just galvanized them into believing she was ripley i love it that makes me that makes me love her even more Mm-hmm. <laughs> just that story alone um but essentially yeah the suits aren't listening to her ignoring the existence of the aliens or rather xeno xenomorphs as we come to know them she tells them about the thousands of eggs they witnessed, but again, not listening. They put her on a six-month probation and order her to see a shrink. After deposition, Ripley asks the suit Van Leeuwen to check out LV-426, sorry, 426, but he says they don't have to. There are currently 60 to 70 families of colonists down there, terraformers, planet engineers. They set up atmosphere processes to make the air breathable. Yikes. <laughs> oh I think boy. it's uh I think the final number ended up being somewhere around 157 people. I think she mentions at one point, right? You see the sign later on that says oh, have yeah. this whole population. population 158, I think. 
I think that's here, like right here. This is the Hadley's Hope scene. Um, this is a controversial scene, I think, uh, for the special fe- uh, special edition only, right? Oh, the <clears throat> with the with the kid riding the bike and shit like that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, well, let's let's tack this scene and uh, you know the first scene that we meet Newt together. Like, let's put them together. Is this was this scene? Were they two separate scenes originally, or were they all? Was was Newt seen in the special edition? I think, I think they were both Nicks from the theatrical. Okay. It's the first time I had seen. It's the first time I had seen him. But yeah. I, again, I I actually think the scene with these guys being like, you know, why do we go there? I don't know. I don't ask. Blah blah. blah. That I think it should have been added because yeah. it took me a second to be like, oh wait, fucking Burke. Burke. It yeah. it took me a second to like tie that together, and now I'm like, oh fuck, okay, now it makes sense. But maybe I was just too dumb to figure it out without <laughs> a scene before. I don't know. Well, it's funny you mentioned that actually because we were talking off air, and I've only seen the special edition. I, I don't know what this movie looks like without the special edition um, scenes. Uh, I, like I, I'm not familiar with it at all. Uh, whereas Colin, you're the other way. You right. know this as the theatrical film only, uh, and you know the special edition is like kind of like obviously other editions that you've you're familiar with. What about you, Josh? I've seen both uh, probably a roughly equal number of times. Uh, I think. Um, I could kind of go either way with this scene. At this point, I just love the movie and like the everything about it so much. I'm like, yeah, give me more. Give me, you know, give throw me some more, more scenes yeah. in. But I right. think the movie's actually better without it, probably because I think the more the more you go into the Marines and the you know and Ripley and the rest of them going to the planet without seeing anything until they get there and see it with their own eyes. I think that adds to the buildup for the audience. Um, after you've seen mm-hmm. it once, then I think if I told somebody <clears throat> to watch it the first time, nix this scene after that, sure. Throw it in. You get a little bit of extra, but I think the buildup's better without it. And you know, the Burke thing, you're totally right. Colin, but that does come out like at the end, you know, when Ripley says, yeah. I read it, I saw that. Um, so now you're already, you know, you're suspicious of the company anyway. And I think it just adds extra suspicion that like, Oh, the company sent them out there. Like what the fuck? I think it's better being unknown. I definitely agree with you. Um, with, with both of you rather. Um, like, I, mean, I think, I think this scene should not be here. Sorry. I mean, like you can keep this part with these two jabronis talking, but maybe, <laughs> maybe cut out the scene with, uh, Newt and her family. Because yes. For that same exact reason, Josh, like, I mean, it, you kind of lose that suspense and tension, right? I mean, like, we've already... This this doesn't really give us any new information uh, or anything like that. It's just like, oh, this happened. Like, we find this out anyway. I'll tell you what, though. It's it's shot fantastically. I, I really enjoyed this sequence, you know, in my subsequent viewings. Subsequent viewings. Um, man, like, just kind of like how she's, like, talking to her brother and then, like, the door opens and it's like... Like the the mother doesn't even say anything to the kids. She barely acknowledges that they're even there. She just like reaches straight for the radio and just starts radioing for help. And you know, Newt looks over her shoulder and like <laughs> lying like on on his back is her father, just with the face hugger, just like attached to it. And she just screams and it just cuts hard cuts over to Ripley again. First um, of I'm- very many Newt screams. Poor girl must have been worn out by the end of this. <laughs> yeah, I I do actually. One one part that cracks me up is in the scene before with the the dual jabronis. <laughs> is when the little kid goes by on the trike. I was like, is that 
is that Little Ripley? That's like all I could think of. Like, it looked like Little Ripley to me on a trike, like running by. Because I saw it like randomly in some cut. And I was like, wait, what the fuck is that? And I was like, oh, this is a totally. I thought it was like a flashback of like Little Ripley oh. or something for like <laughs> half a second. I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, oh, okay. Sorry. Way out of my element. Well, also, there we like, Is that we Danny see. from The Shining? <laughs> I thought <Yeah>. that too. <laughs> I was waiting for like twins to show up. <laughs> um, but yeah, we also get the. I mean, obviously, a big. Giant shot of the Wayland Yutani logo and uh, the slogan "Building Better Worlds." All right, man. So back to Ripley, and uh, this is okay. So this is we're immediately kind of chucked into the shit of it because Burke and Gorman pay a visit to Ripley, tell her they've lost contact with a family on LV two or four two six. Gorman says he guarantees her safety. They want to go down there, and uh, the Colonial Marines are going in. And at this point, I'm like, oh, okay. Now I know why Josh wants to cover this movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. Uh, Burke wants Ripley there as an advisor. She plays the... Uh, it, now it's a trope, probably not back then. It's the whole reluctant hero thing. Like, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to go. Uh, but she, ha- she has some pretty fucking valid reasons for not going, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and they have to, like, bribe, basically bribe her into going. It's like, hey, if you don't want your entire life destroyed and be working at a fucking intergalactic Walmart. You you better come along on this so you can get this license back and you can get this shit all cleared out. Um, it, it's interesting because <clears throat> I think it would seem like the reluctant hero if there wasn't something in it for her. And I, and I don't think that's why she's doing it. No, she's I not. I think it like, is. That's not why. Right. I think it's. I, I, I think, love that. Sorry, Colin, I can't I think it's a, you. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> fuck me, right? No, um, I think that... I think if I think if, I think that the if this if her reasons went to school, the major would be these people are going to be in trouble. But the minor would be like, and at the same time, I do kind of get my life back on track. Like these people are kind of holding my life hostage and it's fucked up, you know, because if you look at it from her point of view, she's like, I've been locked up for fucking six decades, basically. Like, what am I going to do? I need to go back to the thing that I've always done. Um, so I, I think that it's, it is kind of interesting. Like they appeal to her morality, but they also appeal to her needs at the same time yeah and as i was saying man like i i I think i think it speaks volumes that she still turns it down even after like you know they try and bribe her like she's like nope not doing that not going back there i love that shit Mm -hmm. yeah i and i think what ultimately does it is that she has nothing here and it's it's waking up for those nightmares and that ultimately you know all she has basically is to is to go back and to destroy this thing and hopefully you know get it off of her mind like she's living in the shadow of this experience and you know that's another like hint of what what a badass she is is that ultimately she's in the situation and obviously there's fear of going back there as any rational person would be that went through that um but she ultimately feels that the best way to deal with it is to go back there and face it once she makes burke confirm that they're going there to destroy it of course of course right that's the next scene because ripley wakes up in a sweat clutching her chest crying uh, she takes some time to think and eventually calls Burke. Burke answers all sexy like with no shirt. <laughs> uh, I guess I guess he saw the caller ID, right? <laughs> like yeah, I was gonna. He's like he's like he's like posturing himself up. Like all right, gotta make sure my eyes look sleepy. All right, gotta make sure I shaved. Oh, oh, oh hey, what's up? <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine if it's like Gorman? He's like, ah, oh, fuck, it's Gorman. Damn it. <laughs> I I will say I was thinking if if they remade this today, God strike anyone down, whoever would. But <clears throat> um, if they remade this today, who who would I see being Burke? It would have to be Glenn Howard who plays oh, Dennis nice. on, Always, on Always Sunny. Oh, he's the first person I thought of. And I was like, dude, he would kill it. He would 
genuinely will. fucking yeah. kill it. I think he's a great actor. No, he's awesome. He's fucking great. What was he in recently? He was in something recently. Con Remo. It was a um, bit roll. It was a bit roll. Oh, f- I'm not sure. He did a TV show on Hulu for a while that was, it wasn't that great. It had him and Patton Oswalt on it, but it was okay. Yeah. So, like you said, Josh, uh, she gets uh, Burke to tell her one thing. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. And Burke gives her his word and she says she's in. Uh, And then we get this sequence that mirrors the opening of Alien. We see the starship Sulaco for the first time, weaponry on the outside, the shots of the armory, torpedoes, cargo bay. Basically, we're kind of like panning through the ship, uh, very, very much like how we pan through the Nostromo in the first one. The music has a soft sort of like military drumming in the background, which is nice. By the way, James Horner did the music for this movie. Fucking great, dude. I love the score for this film. Not really the big sort of bombastic stuff. But I, I like the more subtle stuff, like especially this this drumming here, and like later when they're walking through the corridors with their um with their pulse rifles, and you know they 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 find um fucking that I think it's like one of the fake outs, and like there's music's like slowly rising. It's it's great. We pan through the Salako. Eventually, we get to the cryopods. Um, and man, talk about skipping through unnecessary bullshit. Like Ripley is already here in the cryopod with them. Like, there's no shitty intros. Like, there's no, like, hey, Ripley, this is fucking Sergeant Apone. Like, none of that <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, I love it. This is the pacing that I was talking about, dude. One of the uh, production things that I read was uh, James Cameron wanted, like, these live hydraulics on all of these pods to open it up. And I don't know who, production designer or who it was, was like, listen, man, you can do that. This is going to be a huge fucking budget. If you, if, like, it's going to make it much more than necessary. He's like, well, what can we do? He goes, we're going to set one pod up and we're going to put a mirror and it's going to be one pod and it's going to look like fucking 12. Oh, and he's like, oh cool. my God, that's fucking genius, dude. <laughs> so when it's far back, it's a mirror. But when they get closer in, it's just like, it's just strings and stuff, you know, that you can't see. Uh, that's fucking out awesome. Of frame. That's, that's, uh, right. that's awesome. I didn't even know that. I guess they blew their hydraulic budget on the power loader. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, the fucking power loader is a dude in a suit. With Sigourney Weaver strapped to him. It's incredible, like, how they did shit on this movie. Like, the miniatures, oh, the stuff, the, miniature to, the, 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 the fucking APC is just, like, uh, uh, it It lugged, like, 747s in an airport. It's a real machine. And then they also made miniatures, and they did uh, remote control stuff. It's like, oh, my God, dude, the production design behind this is just fucking top-notch. Oh, That's yeah. off, man. This, this movie is a masterclass in miniature workers, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Drake wakes up and complains that they're not paying enough, paying us enough for this. And I'm just like, well, dude, you can go back to fucking Andy Dufresne in the projection room, man. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Mark Ralston. Yeah. Uh, I love like Apone immediately jamming a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, he went up. to like sleep with it. <laughs> By the way, um, uh, Josh, I know you're not familiar, but uh, well, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar, but Colin, I know you are. Do you reckon Halo got the inspiration from Sergeant oh, Johnson? Dude, this, is, Johnson? Th- this is this has to be Johnson. There's be, no way, right? Like right, for sure. right, thousand percent, a hundred percent, right? Now this guy, I mean, Josh, you're, I mean, you're obviously the expert here. Like he, he, this guy was a in the Marine Corps, right? I mean, he was just like kind of did acting later on in life. Is that right? Yeah, he wasn't just in the Marine Corps. He was he was in Vietnam. He got two Purple Hearts. He was wounded in action oh, twice. He was the first Black Marine to be uh, meritoriously promoted sergeant in the field. So wow. when he is ripping lines and it's just like, 
Oh man, I love it. I love him. A lot of the movie, um, things that I really, really enjoy are just these characters, these Marines, their interactions with each other. As far as personalities, you know, if, if listeners don't know, I was in the U.S. Marine Corps, a little, little different than uh, the United States colonial Marines, um, but <laughs> obviously the inspiration. Um, and besides being completely nasty and undisciplined, um, the personalities are completely spot on to just the, the eccentricness and vulgarity and black sense of humor that you expect in a frontline combat unit. And man, I just mm-hmm. love the more these scenes of them interacting with each other when they're first getting out and, you know, at the, at the, uh, mess hall in the next, next, um, scene here. Oh man. I love it. I love all these guys. Everything, everybody brings a little bit of a different piece to the table, but, uh, Apone really gives it a, a little bit of an authentic feel for sure. He feels so genuine. Like when he's like firing those lines off later, he's brilliant. Um, but yeah, as you said, we meet the crew slowly. Hicks played by Michael Bean, not originally played by Michael Bean, right? He used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, he's got a couple of shots, or I think a one shot, or maybe a couple, but played by James Remar, who we saw in Django Unchained. We saw him in The Warriors. He also, I guess he played he played Dexter's dad and Dexter. He's a he's an established actor. Uh, do you know why he got uh, he got the boot? I, Josh, do you know? I don't want to jump in if you know this. Drugs. Yeah, that's, Drugs. What, I, that's what I heard. I like. It's so funny because in that panel, somebody somebody in the audience was like, "Hey, what happened to James Remar?" I was like, "Ooh, like little sore subject, dude. Like maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's been fucking almost four decades, but hey. Um, but no, they they were just you know they actually the guy that um, God damn it, I'm drawing a blank again. The guy who I said was almost in Full Metal Jacket, uh, Rico, uh, Rico, Rico. I fucking can't remember his name. Um, Rico. Frost. Frost. Thank you. uh, Frost. Okay. Thank you. Um, He said he was pissed that they fired James Remar because he was like, me and Remar got along like really well and we bonded. And he's like a man's man. He's just, you know, kind of, I don't know. He's, he's just a, a very hands on kind of dude. And here comes Michael Bean, who looks like he could walk out of, you know, a fucking like a playgirl issue. And he was like, I just didn't like him. He's like, but we ended up hitting it off really well. He's like, but at first I definitely resented the fact that they had fired James Remar. But I mean, all these years later, I kind of have to understand why, you know, Remar's, I mean, Remar's kind of got like a, a hardness about him that I don't know if I, if I would have loved because like, the way the way um, Bean plays Hicks, like he's he's got this like you know quiet sort of like sympathetic, even like sarcastic nature about him. Like like when they're looking out at the at the vents there, and they're like kind of like they're they're flashing, and he's like, "How long till it blows?" Like that shit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's a Raymar thing. Like you know. There's actually there's something interesting. I was listening to um, Michael Bean and Michael Bean was like, there's that scene where they're looking at the schematics and Newt can't get up on the table. And he looks at James Cameron. He's like, can I just pick her up and put her on the table? He goes, that's why you are Hicks, because Remar, he's like, Remar wouldn't have done that. He's, he's like, like I need it. Right. He's like, he's like, that's why you're Hicks. And they gave they, by the way, they gave Michael Bean 24 hours to make up his mind to get on the plane and come to England. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, man, that's that's fucking nuts. But isn't isn't James Remar in like the third or fourth alien? Am I crazy, or is is he in one later on? Am I wrong? I might be thinking of somebody else. I don't, is it? Th- I can't remember. I thought it was the one with like Winona Ryder. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm gonna Google it. Shit. Anyways, right, keep on. All right. But yeah. So man, apparently, like they they all got to kind of like customize their own armor. Like that was a thing, and like Michael Bean didn't because James Raymar had already customized it or like like tagged it up. Like that was a thing. 
But, dude, let's talk about the late great Bill Paxton as Hudson. Hudson, right? God damn. What a fucking... What a, what a, what a fucking tragedy when he passed. Like, this... Yeah. Hudson is absolutely fantastic to watch. Like, the first time I saw this, I'm going to be 100% completely honest, I kind of thought he was a little annoying. I know. I know. I know. But I just... I grew to love him. Because, like, if I'm watching it in this, like... Vietnam metaphor context like this this is the character that most applies to because you're going in like guns blazing you're so fucking excited for it and then you get your ass kicked and you're just like well I kind of want to go home now <laughs> I kind of want to go home now um, hey, do you but, blame yeah. him? no I don't blame him there's fucking aliens out there no but I mean you're right and I think that's not a terrible like he is kind of annoying. He's super high energy and he's sarcastic and he's always cracking jokes and he's always trying to act like the biggest badass in the room. And then when shit goes bad, he's kind of the most not cowardly, but definitely like freaking out and wanting to get out of there. Goes down like a champ, though, at the very end. But yeah, 100%. he's, yeah. you know, he's definitely a strong personality, but it, the movie would not be the same without him. Of all the, For sure. you know, the non-critical characters, he definitely adds the most flavor to it. For sure. I, I love that you well, said uh, he's not cowardly, because if you make this character someone who's like totally inept, like if you make him... <laughs> If you make him like deputy fucking Dewey from Scream, like that, <laughs> that kind of shit, <laughs> then you immediately fall out of love with this character. But like, yeah, Paxton plays him so well, like you know, because he's he's also proficient. You know, he's a, he's a fucking colonial marine. Like he's he's he knows his way around a gun. But uh, you know, he saw, he saw what he's up against, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm gonna pace out. See ya. The the funny part is even even Paxton again watching this making of Paxton was like I did the I did the everybody audition Lance Henriksen had worked with Cameron like twice and they made Lance Henriksen audition he was like fuck you like he was immediately <laughs> like annoyed but Bill Paxton was like man you know I went I did the I did the audition I really thought I blew it and I thought I overacted it and I was like I mean I can see why I mean but that's probably what got you the role. And then you've got, uh, you round out the rest of the supporting cast, right? You've got Vasquez played by Jeanette Goldstein. Hey, is this, um, is this racist? <laughs> I was wondering that. That was going to come up. You mean the, the little Jewish broad playing the Latino <laughs> yeah. badass? I think it's a little racist. Oh, <laughs> uh, but she, I'm not going to lie. She does, she does something for me. I don't know what. It's really? just good. God, okay. dude, I've always thought Vasquez was so fucking. I mean, I, I am, I have a preference for short hair. That's just my preference. But there's just something like, hey, she's fucking ripped. She has huge tits. She's a badass. Like she's, she's sweating fucking off awesome. I mean, as well. Right, and she's fucking funny. Hey, Vasquez, everybody ever mistaken you for a man? No, have you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's such a fucking good line, man. Yeah, I but mean, she gets a little over the top, but I mean, she's 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 good. Does she do anything for you in Terminator too? Is she in T2? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, she's the, the fucking uh, the mom. mom. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. She's in, like, Lethal Weapon, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's in a bunch of shit. She is, yeah. Uh, Drake, Frost, Pharaoh, Spunkmeyer, and Dietrich. I think the last two are the uh, the dropship pilots, right? Spunkmeyer and Dietrich? Um, D- Dietrich's yeah. the medic chick. Um, oh, Spunk- okay, right. Yeah. Uh, Pharaoh's the pilot, the yeah. chick pilot, and Spunkmeyer's the co-pilot. Nice. So we've got our crew, right? And yeah, I didn't realize until way late that Vasquez is John Connor's mother, but we'll just yeah. put, nip that in the bud there. Um, 
I love Hudson's energy. God, Paxton was great. Um, but yeah, man, these Marines are just so macho. Like I said, it turned me off a little the first time I saw it um, before I realized what kind of, I guess, Cameron was going for with the Vietnam stuff. I mean, if that is a thing, I'm just going to like put it out there. I don't know 100% whether that is a thing, but I'm, I'm going to just take a wild stab and say that was a thing. Well, we made- I, I would say, yeah, you know, just this is, it's not unrealistic, but this is the hallmarks of as much as you love to watch them. This is a bad outfit. Like this is these, this is a bad unit that everybody, you know, writes their shit all over their armor. They have loud personalities. They talk back. Um, they talk shit all the time. Like there are, there are units out there and they're the units that usually go and get their asses handed to them. And it goes That's pretty fucking badly. Yeah. And because the good units are like more silent, humble professionals and get the job done right. and then, you know, drink some beers and cheers each other afterwards. But, um, but that's not as fun to watch though, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of times that corporal Hicks has to tell Hudson to shut the fuck up in this movie. Like, you know, <laughs> like there's kind of like a lack of discipline thing going on as well. Any questions? Um, how do we get out of this chicken shit outfit? One hundred percent. And then we meet your MVP, Colin Bishop, played by Lance oh. Henriksen, who does the knife thing with Hudson. Bishop, oh, hey man. <laughs> well, what's dude? Another production thing that's badass is um, Lance Henriksen's like, so uh, I get to fucking Heathrow Airport, and uh, you know, just that gravelly fucking ass voice that he has. But he was like, I had a friend that was in the circus. It's like, of course you did, you fucking weird ass. But <laughs> he was like, I had a friend that was in the circus who gave me all of these knives to practice with because I know James Cameron. He's gonna make me try every single fucking knife, butterfly knife, you know, um, fucking every single other kind of knife that there is. I get to Heathrow Airport and they stop me and they're like, what are these for? He goes, oh, I'm an actor. And he's like, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I just got off the, the fucking plane. I'm hung over. I'm scruffy looking and shit. But Gail Ann Hurd had to come like help me out like in the airport because they wanted to confiscate my shit. He's like, but a lot of that shit is Lance Henry. Now, obviously there's hits a point where it's sped up. Now it look it still looks incredible because as you're watching the sped up footage, the people around them are not sped up at all. And you're like, how are they doing this? Because at first you hear Lance Henriksen, Lance Henriksen do interviews and he's like, you know, most of that I did like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I mean the close up shit, like it, it looks fantastic. He really, he's like, he's like, I can't tell you how many stitches I had to put in my hand from fucking doing that. And he's like, and I did accidentally Nick like Bill Paxton in the pinky. It's cause he moved. <laughs> like he blames Bill Paxton for it. Um, but I just, I, I think he's just, I think he's just fantastic. I mean, in any, in any of the roles, he has such a unique quality and originality to him. And I, I just, I really adore his book is actually called not bad for a human. And it's actually oh, very cool. hard to find. Um, I think you can get a used copy on Amazon for 40 bucks. I found one on eBay for $80. I think a signed okay. copy goes for several hundred dollars. Like it was, it was a limited run. Like there's no audio book of it. It's very hard to find. So anybody in the after party want to buy a on a Christmas gift. Uh, no. <laughs> I really want to read it, though. I fucking I love the fuck out of Lance Henriksen. Oh, yeah. I'm curious, too, dude. I've, I've totally been into um, biographies as well lately. So, for sure, if I can get my hands on that. Uh, after party, make that too, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, white liquid leaks from Bishop's fingers and Ripley just loses it, right? She's so jumpy mm. because of Ash. Um, like he, this is one of my favorite elements of this entire movie, just the way her distrust of androids, uh, you know, moves over 
57 years later. And um, this is an example of Burke downplaying it, right? Saying that on uh, Ripley's last mission, their android malfunctioned. <laughs> Fucking shitboard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so apparently in the original script, Ash was a Cyberdyne model and not a Hyperdyne model. Like that was a thing. Yeah. I caught the Hyperdyne and I was like, eh? Yeah. And then now that you said it, I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. Too many connected yeah. universes. Stop. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Blade right. Runner, Terminator, <laughs> Aliens. It's all the same. Oh, boy. Uh, Bishop reassures her, uh, basically telling her that he's playing by what we know now as Isaac Asimov's Rules of Robotics, right? It's basically what he says. <laughs> And then we get this briefing scene. <laughs> Josh, do you want to run us through this? This is this is probably this is your shit. So, as much as you know, I, I love this movie, love everything about it. I fucking hate Lieutenant Gorman. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Very personally, too. <laughs> because I was a lieutenant in the Marine Corps. I was oh, a platoon nice. commander. I had his job. And there are so many movies, but this is one of the most like blatant ones, which makes the fucking June lieutenant just look like the most incompetent, moronic asshole. And it sucks because <laughs> it's like <laughs> it sticks in people's minds so much. But obviously it works great for the movie. Um, and the actor does a great job. Um and this scene is really cool. And uh, something, uh, one little production note about it was that they, it was one of the last scenes they filmed because they really wanted the, the Marines to the have unit feeling. Yeah. And they ran yeah. them all through, um, uh, some SAS dudes ran these guys through like a, a two or three oh, week boot camp, except nice. for, um, Bishop Gorman and Burke and, and Ripley. So they uh, and and Saving Private Ryan kind of ripped that off too because they they yeah. didn't want them to have they wanted them to be separate and um, Spielberg did the same thing with he had the entire basically the entire cast except uh, Matt Damon go through this really grueling thing so there was kind of a little bit of a resentment and outside kind of treatment of Damon when he yeah, came that's in cool so. Um, but yeah, this is the, the briefing's great. This, this part, uh, here where Gorman starts it off, he brings up Ripley and, um, you know, you feel for Ripley here cause she's doing what she is brought here to do. You know, she tries to start giving her info and you know, the Marines are just being total blowhards, you know, Vasquez. All I need to know is where they are, <laughs> you know, oh, and just di so bad. dismissing <laughs> the info. And, um, you know, I've never, maybe you guys have dug more into the aliens universe. Cause obviously it's, you know, not just all the movies, but video games and, you know, internet shit. Books. It's gone super deep books. I never knew like watching it. I mean, he says bug hunt. I always went back and forth about like, have, Starship troopers? have they fought a bunch of, well, there's definitely, yeah. Hints of Starship troopers, <laughs> but like, have they fought a lot of aliens before or is this like a new thing? Like you think when he says bug hunt, um, he says another bug hunt. Yeah. So you kind of think that they're used to fighting aliens and you know, they've gotten some Arcturian poontang, but there's other, other <laughs> yeah. times where I feel like the idea, you know, of an alien creature is kind of, uh, kind of crazy to, to some people that we see. Yeah, I, well, I thought I, that I, was weird this time around too. Like, I'm just like, is, there, is this? Are we living in a world where uh, we've already made contact with other species? Like, is this a thing? 
I can actually answer this. Oh, uh, nice. I was, again, production shit. Uh, if you look on the side of the ship when they're kind of uh, focusing on the cockpit and we get that kind of side shot, there's a red logo on the side. And it's like an eagle with a plasma rifle and fucking, you know, shells coming. It's just this very, like, you know, like Uber, um, uh, Uber whatever, like, kind of thing, just shooting these shells out. And I can't remember what the name of the, uh, what the name of the, the company is. They made it on jackets and, like, T-shirts for their production crew. But the slogan is "We exterminate species," and I was like, "Oh my god!" So like, awesome. I guess they, I guess they go into these. I, I, I'm sure they've dealt with. I, I mean, I don't want to say I'm sure. I assume they've dealt with hostile somethings before. I mean, you, however many planets they are and galaxies they are away from Earth. I mean, at some point, the probability of hitting hostile life has to be. You know, it, it, there's got to be something out there that they've dealt with before. Um, so, yeah, when he says bug hunt, I just assume it's like, oh, okay, I guess they're, but again, bug. The fucking xenomorph is not a bug. No. That thing is a praying mantis. That thing is huge. <laughs> like, that is not a bug. That is not a fucking, a roach that you step on. This thing is a predator. And, and that's that's what I fucking love about it is I think they're thinking, oh, yeah, bug hunt. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Speaking of slogans, though, I always wanted uh, Frost wears a t-shirt. That like through all these early scenes, it says uh, "peace through superior firepower" with a um, <laughs> with, with a pulse rifle on it. I'm like, that's badass. That's, and that's awesome. That's, that's like cool. exactly the kind of t-shirts that like units make for themselves unofficially. I'm like, no, that's perfect. There's gonna be like, I'm sure that t-shirt is being sold out there somewhere. It must <laughs> yeah, be. I'm sure. Um, Gorman. So this is obviously the first time we hear the word xenomorph. And Gorman says, right, first use of the word. Um, a what? Yeah. I know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, essentially they get their orders after um, after Ripley lays down what happened to that to her at the on the Nostromo, uh, what happened to Kane, uh, assholes and elbows, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the dock of the Salako, we see the power loader in action. Uh, this thing, this thing's awesome, dude. Like practical as fuck. Genuinely looks like it could crush your head. Oh, yeah, I was just getting, like, Fallout 4 power armor nice. vibes, like, the whole, like, if you want my penis to get erect, all I need to hear is this <laughs> of, like, the power loader, power, power loader. loader Robocop, like, fucking sound, like, that's all I need, like, multiple of my friends are like, if, if I ever won the lottery, you get a mech suit, fucking awesome, that's one of the few things of the life, I'm just like, I want a fucking mech suit, I want that, that fucking end of, um, Oh God! The end of District Nine, like power oh, yeah. armor shit, like Fucking that's awesome, what I like, any anything like this. There were there were actually companies that after seeing Aliens were like, "Hey, where can we get those?" Or like, "Those aren't real." <laughs> you understand that, right? Like that's a special effect. Uh, this was actually an idea from NASA, and uh, James Cameron was like, "Oh, cool." He yeah, apparently he had a sketch pad from in high school and shit that he had just drawn. He you know, Cameron is responsible along with the production designers for a lot of this industrial industrial kind of dirty future look for a lot of this stuff, which is great. I mean, it defines the opening scenes of Terminator, the feel for like Los Angeles 2029. I mean, it, it, it defines a lot of these these early T1s, T2, and especially this one. Um, but just that kind of industrial look. And there's a lot of stuff from the Vietnam era that exp that uh, inspired, especially like the drop ships and the um, the armored personnel uh, carrier. There's a lot Flying of stuff that was expired. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I think it's so interesting, you know, just his touches and his designs with stuff, you know, and, and even something like the abyss, you know, he did the abyss and, you know, he was like, oh, how can I make this liquid looking thing? They're like, oh, that doesn't exist. He goes, all right, well, how can I invent it? 
like the first thing he thought of. And it's like the cast in, in this uh, kind of panel they're doing, like James is just so interesting. Um, and Lance was like, hey, you know, I'm an actor and I get this real methodical. I get kind of like emotional about it. But James is just such a straightforward. How do I solve this problem? How do I adapt to it? You know, that's why he started getting into scuba diving with Titanic. And he just can do anything he sets his mind to. And I was like, fuck, yeah, I believe it, man. After seeing this kind of shit, like he, I would love to sit down and fucking drink a beer with James Cameron. 100% dude um, maybe not now though because I mean he'll, he'll talk about his Avatar sequels so I'm just I'm good <laughs> you know I've never seen that I've never seen the first you're not Avatar you're much I mean it's not uh, it's not yeah you, only- you, probably worth watching once but that's it like I don't yeah. I'll check it out yeah if you want um, to see a dude fuck a tree with his ponytail, check it out. <laughs> exactly. That, that happens. It happens. Uh, it's funny, actually, uh, Colin, you just fucking rang some alarm bells for me that I totally forgot to talk about. Neil Blomkamp, the director of uh, District 9, was supposed to direct a sequel to this. Uh, yeah. For the longest time, actually. And there was actually, there is concept art out there of uh, Hicks was supposed to come back and Sigourney Weaver as Ripley was supposed to come back as well. Uh, and that was before Alien Covenant, and for some fucking reason, Ridley Scott was like, no, my toys. And he made Alien Covenant instead, and they cancelled uh, Neil Blomkamp's film. So, And and his RoboCop, dude. I'm still pissed yeah. about both of those. It's like, man, if there's somebody this could have really been trusted to, it's, it's, it's Neil. It's Neil like, Blomkamp, I really, yeah. I, I really do believe that, man, and that's that's such a shame. Yeah. Ripley asks if there's anything she can do, suggest driving the loader. Of course, uh, this is setting us up for later. Um, I just, I'm about to fucking start some shit here, but it's like, but how can Ray use a lightsaber and beat Kylo Ren if she's never held it before? <laughs> it's a, it's a setup kind of thing, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so you talked about, uh, about pacing, and, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's done so there's, even though it's not a short movie, it's not overly long, but there's nothing's wasted. Like no. all, even this gearing up shit, if you watch it just as a gearing up scene from, you know, them doing the load up, Ripley helping getting in the loader, it all looks cool. And it's like cool tech and the, you know, the, the loaders look awesome. And the Marines run around grabbing all their kit and their weapons, you know, Vasquez and Drake working those you know, minigun things, them all running out the APC. It all looks and feels badass, especially when the music ends up coming in. But it also showcases all this tech and gear that's going to matter and, and, uh, right. obviously and Ripley's proficiency. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. It's cool. No, seriously, Efficient. like the way, the way you said it, because the, the way I measure a tight script is I, I measure it by Die Hard because that to me is the, the tightest script. <laughs> like, you know, like it doesn't get any better than Die Hard, that script. And this, this movie fucking pretty, comes pretty damn close to that test in terms of like not wasting time and like not setting up things and things like that. It's, it's pretty much perfect. Um, but yeah, the Marines load up. Vasquez and Drake have mo- the modified MG42s. Um, the swivels are actually uh, camera uh, camera mounts, like they're actually filmmaking gear, which is kind of cool. Oh, cool! Yeah, uh, Marines all stand to attention. Move it out! Move it out! Move it out! <laughs> ah, absolutely <laughs> badasses! I love Apone, dude. <laughs> uh, they stow their weapons and strap into the APC. Um, inside, Hudson is all g'd up and pretty much about to bust his nut. He's so excited. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bishop drives the APC into the dropship and they drop. Um, I love how the pilot is wearing aviators as well. <laughs> yeah, what I love is they're coming out. She's like, where's the beacon? I was like, take your fucking glasses off. Like, you can't fucking see shit. It, but I mean, I can't help it. I was like, okay, T-1000 much? Like, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Dude, it's it's so early T-1000. And Cameron, Cameron's going to use that later as well because I think Michelle Rodriguez's character in Avatar wears the av- aviators and she's a pilot too. So I think it's a thing. The actual image of the the ship coming into the atmosphere is one of the only very, very few shots that look really dated, Yeah, um, which yeah, is just hard when you're, because a lot of the stuff is matte paintings, right? And, and, and models. And so much of it looks amazing. Looks mm. a lot of like well done model work and, and matte paintings can look better than state-of-the-art CGI to me because you're looking at real things and your eyes know that in a way. But just the, the concept of the drop, like this is so cool. This is such an awesome thing. 100%. 100%. We're in the pipe. Five by five. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, and this is where we find out about Gorman's uh, lack of drop experience, rather. Oh, God. 38. Um, 38. Simulated. <laughs> <laughs> Only two combat drops. Uh, inc- this is this is this is like when you get to your new job and like <laughs> there's a lady who's worked there ten years and she's head cashier, but they made some kid out of college general manager. You're like the fuck, <laughs> like what the fuck? Oh man, uh, Hudson does his little confidence dance, state of the badass art, and basically he's saying everything except for let me show you how big our dicks are. Like that's literally yeah. what's happening. <laughs> we got knives, um, sharp sticks. <laughs> that's so good i love that he ends with that dude you know what else i love i love that um hicks is asleep <laughs> like yeah. that that says a lot like you know it's kind of like overconfidence in his own way like this is literally just like routine for him he's basically like the opposite of gorman who's like palms are sweating you know <laughs> it's great Somebody takes- wake up, Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> Dropship takes them over in the main complex. No visible activity. Shutters are sealed. Nothing. Uh, and Ripley notes that they still have power. Dude, Josh, you mentioned that that quick shot of like the the um the the dropship entering the atmosphere. One of my favorite shots is right here. It's the APC in the foreground, and like in the yes. background, you see the ship just peeling off. Yeah. Fuck, that is good, dude. Oh, sorry. Let me just get this. <laughs> Despite ah, that APC go. being one of the most impractical military oh. vehicles I've ever seen, dude, that thing would get stuck on a speed bump. You're sp- sending it to an alien world. It's a serial bump. It's like a six inch ground clearance. <laughs> it's like the worst looking Batmobile ever made. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? It's so low the ground, you could throw a firecracker under it and fucking disable it. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to get out of a speed bump with that shit, dude? <laughs> Uh, Gorman giving okay, Josh. This is a question for you, right? Is Gorman giving orders to move up and shit weird? Shouldn't super, Apone be doing this? Like super or, duper, or some, super duper weird. Um, someone in the field, yet oddly like prescient in some ways because there's as technology gets better and better, and the possibilities of doing this kind of shit becomes more reality. There's there's always the temptation for you know, higher ups to fucking think it's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and it never, ever, ever is. And like, yeah. that is the worst aspect of leadership is to fucking sit in the back, not putting in yourself in a danger, not having situational awareness, thinking you do cause you're watching cameras and shit and trying to give orders. Um, but I mean, there are like things like there were times, you know, I've been in situations where 
you know, somebody on a higher up, you know, in an engagement calls in and like some colonel wants to use his fucking new toy. So like we were in a firefight and got ordered to like hold and lock down this area because some dude wants to justify his job and fire these Excalibur rounds, which were like a hundred thousand dollars a pop, you know, Fuck. and <laughs> like we just have to like sit there and wait for somebody to like do their fucking thing because they, well, they have us on the tracker and they're like going to see this and that. So yeah, it's uh it's a terrible idea, but it is not wildly unrealistic. Okay. A hundred grand. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. For four <laughs> dudes in pajamas with AKs. <laughs> that's a salary right there. Good that's fucking like trade. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, they crack open the doors and walk into the damaged hallway. Um, this is where the visuals to me just pop, man. Like this is the it, it's just so eerie as the water drops on them from above, like there's no music, and it's just like the sound of their footsteps, like you're immediately kind of plunged into this and you're just like, fuck, anything could happen at any goddamn time, you know? It's awesome. Uh we got some explosive damage, pro- probably seismic charges, says Apone. Uh, Hicks and Hudson break out the motion trackers, which are now absolutely iconic, right? Ugh, oh, yeah. I love the cool. sound of those things. Dude, so fucking good. Um, there is a There are a couple of video games that utilize them pretty well. Um, Alien Isolation is one. Um, and the other one, I think it's Colonial Marine, Marines, which is pretty dog shit, but yeah. And you, you uh, mentioned the, the look <coughs> of it. And it, I'm not saying it was the first movie that did this, but it was the first one I watched. You know, um, I saw this, like I said, pretty young, but I'd seen a lot of sci-fi. And this is the first one that was so dirty and grungy and lived in. And like, this like a, this like a, this looks like a factory. It was like a mining facility. Like this is not what you, not what I was used to for science fiction. And then, you know, you fuck it up more with battle damage. Um, and it's even like nastier and, uh, it's so awesome. No, it's, it's fantastic, man. The set design in this movie is kind of unparalleled. Like, you know, you've got this part, but then like even later when they get down to uh, the colonists, like that, that kind of like the, the tunnels, man, yeah. that shit is insane. Uh, Hudson picks up something on his radar, uh, trackers, uh, well, I'm going to call it tracker actually. I don't know what the fuck. Uh, something on his tracker. Tracker starts emitting the high-pitched noises. Turns out to be just a gerbil. Fake out. Uh, Ripley tells Hicks to pan right. They see the metal grates that have melted through, signaling acid blood. Goes down a few stories, and uh, Hudson hacks up a nice loogie. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, and that 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 shit immediately. You're just like, oh well, fuck. We know what's we know what's happened here, basically, right? Like we know that there's been a scuffle, and it's not. It's not like a, the colonists have, like, you know, done some infighting or something like that. We know for sure 100% that the aliens have been here. Like, that's... Oh, and I love yeah. when they, when he starts kneeling over and they nudge him. He's like, come on, man, cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gorman says the area is secure, but Ripley protests. I mean, obviously it's not secure. Uh, he's coming in. I feel safer already. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, Ripley and the squad enter the med lab and they come across the stasis tubes. At this point, Burke is bursting at the penis tip, right? <laughs> He's like, yes. <laughs> uh, gets up close to one of the tubes and a uh, nice little jump scare. Two are alive, the rest are dead. They killed off one of the colonists trying to take it off. Jesus Christ. And then, boom, frost motion sensor spikes up and the squad heads toward the, sp- toward the blips with Drake taking point. Tense moment. 
And uh, I love how James Cameron kind of draws us in with the sound of the blips alone. Um, and then, bang, like a shadow just moves in the foreground. And we meet Newt again, who's hiding out in the crawl's place. Ripley orders the squad not to let her go, and so begins the mother-daughter element of the film. Ripley finds a photo of Newt, and uh, we find out her name, Rebecca Jordan. Yeah. Uh, this is where you know we go back to that, what, you know, were those couple scenes, those look-ins we saw on LV426 earlier, were they necessary? And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, no. Because I'm like, well, what what's the benefit? You see what the place looks like before it's all banged up. You kind of get a sense for why they were going out on whose orders they were going out there. We get to see Newton or family before, but it's better if you don't see what it's like before and you have to find out along with the characters. Um, you, you know what Newt's like cause you see the picture and you can imagine what a normal girl is like and it's not like this. And you know, then the, the other thing is better when you find out way later that Burke was the one that sent, sent the order. So yeah, it, it definitely works a lot better. And actually when you, when you fire up the 1990, uh, special edition, you know, you've got that little insert from James Cameron who's like, this is how the film was intended to be seen. And I'm just like, well, I mean, come on. You're not George Lucas, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, you fucking BB to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man. In the- yeah, well, it was always <laughs> as I originally intended. <laughs> Old turkey neck. <laughs> In the control room, Gorman tries to get Newt to talk, but uh, she's just staring off into space, barely blinking. Man, is it Carrie Han? Carrie Han? Yeah. She's fucking great, especially in this moment. Like, she's just, she's, oh, she's just like a statue. Like, you can tell she's seen some shit. Like, imagine what she's seen. It's fantastic. Well, and especially for a a, a, a child actor, which is, I mean, sometimes very hard to get what you want across, and then be at the same time, no experience, what not no commercials, no plays, no anything, nothing. And she was like, I it's, literally, she fell. If she wanted a career, she probably could have had one. Just didn't want to do it. Yeah. Just did this one thing, was out. And it's like, you talk, the definition of falling ass backwards into something. For sure. Um, but Ripley's so good with her hair. Um, oh, I made a clean spot here. Now I've done it. Guess I'll have to do the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, the relationship is, like, instantly endearing. And that is important, like, right? I mean, if you don't establish the relationship between Ripley and Newt immediately, then you you kind of, like, have no connection or, or sympathy when she feels the need to go rescue her later. My name's Newt. Nobody calls me Rebecca except my brother. She says her family's dead. Ripley assures her that she's safe. The soldiers are here. It won't make any difference. Does she have a weird accent? Is she like Canadian or some shit? Uh, I read about one British parent, one American Uh, parent. That'll do it. They were were casting in England and shit. That'll do it. Yeah. There's a quick scene here of Bishop examining one of the facehuggers. Very quick scene. But it's like, it's super foreboding considering what we already know about Ash. Yes. He's like, fascinated with it and it's like oh no is this gonna go the way of ash well what's what's really funny is that there's a there's a very interesting parallel between roy batty from blade runner oh, nice. and bishop uh and 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 lance anderson even said that he was like listen man we had you know hal 9000 we had you know we had fucking roy batty and we had we had plenty of android type characters before this and i really wanted to do something that was my own uh, and roy batty showed up on the set of blade runner you know had this crazy outfit on these sunglasses dyed his hair and Ridley Scott was like, what the fuck? Like, get out, get out of that shit. Lance Henriksen shows up on set with these 
contacts in that were double pupils. So it was like a figure eight of like black, just solid black. Damn. And Cameron was like, dude, th- dude, that's scarier than the fucking Xenomorph. Take that shit out. <laughs> and Lance Henriksen's like, I spent my last 1500 bucks on these contacts. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, why the fuck did you do that? I didn't tell you to do it. Like, <laughs> it was like, Cameron was very direct about like, I don't care what you do with your character, but leave the physical appearance like up to me. And Lance Henriksen was like, yeah, it was really hard for me to like let go of that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so interesting, like hearing about she'll just shit that he thought would be cool and walk in and, and bring in with the character and Cameron was like, no, nah, not at all. I don't know what you were thinking. That's cool, dude. <laughs> it's so fucking funny, man. By the way, I, apparently, uh, sorry, go I was ahead. just about to say, rest in peace, Rutger Hauer. Yeah, oh, dude, for sure. But a lot of people have said that Cameron is notoriously difficult to work with on set. Yeah, I had that too. And again, this panel was like, he's not difficult to work with if you, he is, you know, he's a director's director. He gets in there, he knows what he wants, he's laser focused, and he's not one of these people that, and every, everyone on the panel was like, I would rather have someone who's a little rough around the edges like James than someone who's, spot, who's soft-spoken and, and knows what they want, knows what they want, but is afraid to say it because of my feelings when time and money and careers are on the line. And it was like, yeah, I mean, he uh, he gets shit done. Look, and that's why he's made, I mean, some of the best films of all time. And I think I, I can handle someone being a little rough around the edges if the end result is something that's groundbreaking, you know? No, for sure. It's great. Yeah. Uh, like you definitely hear about these directors who are, you know, like dialed in, like Kubrick was that director, you know? Hudson says he's found the colonists via the personal trackers that were implanted inside them under the cooling tower and the squad hides over in the APC. I love the little detail of the cannon retracting behind the APC as they go inside. It's great. Uh, and this leads into our first major action sequence. The squad discover the weird interior of the structure. It's like this massive organic tunnel. Like they're walking. It's cool because it, it's like they're walking inside like a giant artery. Like, you know, it's like a massive fucking yeah. vein. It's great. Set design is incredible. <clears throat> and the, uh, he wasn't um, involved. Giger, H.R. Giger. What, yeah, what, yeah. I mean, the artist. Right. He wasn't directly involved in Aliens. But obviously his original direction um an artistic inspiration for alien. I mean, it is the most iconic, like not just the aliens themselves, but kind of the the look around everything about them, like this weird organic yet alien kind of vibe to everything. And like how everything they take over, they sort of, um, you know, it's, it's like, it spreads They're They're like a physical manifestation as they, as they occupy these areas. Um, oh man. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have the feel if it didn't have that look. No, for sure. And it's not, it's not just the Xenomorphs. You get a taste of like Giga's sort of like artistic style in the first one, like with the space jockey and the, the other, the other alien race that we have no idea about. And I'm, I'm still, saying that we still have no idea about him, even though we've got fucking Prometheus and Alien Covenant, because uh, I refuse to acknowledge those two movies. But um, yeah, like the the designs are fantastic and they're really unique. Like you could immediately pick out, oh, okay, that's Giga for sure. Well, and I love what Josh brought up of the, almost like the assimilation of this thing of like, I don't know, there's something about like Geiger. When I look at Geiger artwork, it reminds me of like a tool video. You know, it's like there's there's something about just that very, I, I don't know, it's it's it, it makes me, it's cool looking, but at the same time, it makes me uncomfortable. And I'm not sure why. And I can never quite 100% put my finger on it because it's natural and unnatural. It's organic, but it's also artificial. And it's kind of this seamless blend between the two that's like, I can't quite wrap my head around it. And that's that's what Josh said. I think it's just like perfect. That's exactly I'm like, yes, what the fuck is this? You know? 
For sure. Uh, Ripley asked Gorman what the pulse rifles fire. 10 millimeter caseless. If they fire, there's a chance they'll rupture the reactor, causing a thermonuclear explosion. Love Gorman's response. Oh, great. Wonderful. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Gets Apone to collect everyone's magazines. What the hell are we supposed to use, man? Harsh language. (laughs) And uh, no grenades, of course. And, of course, Vasquez and Drake have extra magazines. Because look at what the fuck they're carrying around. Of course they'll have extra mags. Hicks pulls out the shotgun. I like to keep this handy. Close encounters. Bod comes across the first colonist encased in resin and slime. Looks like a ghost fucking semen all over him, which is great. <laughs> uh, they come across an open egg and a dead face hugger. Not good. And um, I-, I love how we're slowly, slowly ratcheting up the tension here. One of the colonists is alive. Please kill me. The Marines go to help her before her chest explodes, revealing a little... The little baby xenomorph, and uh, Apone just fucking barbecues it, dude. Love it. Give me the flamethrower! <laughs> dude, the, the fucking sweep is over. Like, now. Like, <laughs> alright, yep. Yeah. We got, like, what are you possibly yep. continuing for? Do you think, like, around the corner, there's, like, 12 colonists sitting in a circle singing Kumbaya? Yeah. Like, <laughs> dude, we know what happened. <laughs> I don't consider that, actually. <laughs> turn around and take our complete lack of ammo the fuck out of here. Let's leave. Yeah, yeah. I, I know, dude. Seriously, look, all they have. Yeah, I mean, like if you're confiscating their mags, like, yeah, they, they literally have nothing. <laughs> well, I, I mean, especially half a second after that, when the walls start to move oh. and come after you, and you're like, oh, what, dude? Like that is such an amazing. Not to jump too far ahead. I mean, we're no, kind we're of here. there, we're but here. like once, once I, I, I'm for I don't know what the fuck her name for life me. I can't tell you what her name is, but Dietrich. that shot of her. Is Detroit okay when she's turned around? I mean, just seeing them come out of those little spaces is insane enough, but it was such a shock to me. Even now, watching this last night, I was like, Whoa, yeah, like, fuck. That's awesome. it, and it's so like, I and I, I and I wonder if like Rambo First Blood Part Two, like, you know, maybe like I don't know which one came out first, but it reminds me of Rambo, just those eyes opening in the mud wall and fucking killing that guy. Um, it, it and that that's what's so holy shit. It is so uh, terrifying to something to be that close and so lethal. Like holy shit, it, it's fantastic, dude. It's beautiful, and it especially helps because the like the lighting that James Cameron uses here is fantastic too, dude. Like if this is a shot by anyone else, like this could be like a super dark scene. I mean, look at fucking Alien vs Predator Requiem. <laughs> like you can barely make out anything in that film. I did. Yeah. I left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and the aliens um, coming out of the walls like they do, not only is it scary as shit, but it ties in with the whole like it's like they're a part of it, you know? And it, it will eventually tie in with this kind of hive mind sort of thing that we'll get to sort of understand. Yeah, yeah, eventually. Um but I not only that, dude, I love the build up to it, right? Because Hudson Hudson's tracker fires up and he starts to get signals from ahead and behind. And, like, you know, you figure that, oh, shit, these guys are about to get Eiffel Towered. Wobbly H. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Marines open fire and all hell, all hell breaks loose. It's all it's too much for Gorman. Uh, hey, Pone, I want you to lay down suppressing fire with the incinerators. Oh, God. Talk to me, hey, Pone. <laughs> I hate him. Dude, the, look on, <laughs> the look on his face when, when Vasquez and Drake open fire, he's like... Who the hell is firing? Like, who would bear? T- who in this situation would dare disobey me? Like, fuck a nuclear reactor, dude! I'm dead either way. What do I give a shit? Like, I'm just gonna start opening fire, dude. Man. I can, I can swim on the sweat on his face. Like, I can, I can do like a fucking freestyle, dude. 
Um, well, and uh, a huge thing I love about this scene is the fact that we get the first like little bit of it. We see, you know, a punk gets taken out. These people get taken out and blah, blah, what have you. But then everything else is from like their body cams. It's like what the like the chaos is so palpable. What the fuck is going on? Like, I can't see it and I'm not even in it. Like, I'm in the movie. And it's like, what the fuck is going on in this whole scene? And it's almost like, it's almost frustrating. I feel like walking Phoenix and signs when he's trying to watch the video of the alien. Like, get the fuck out of the way. I'm trying to. Right, yeah. I feel like I'm watching that scene because it's, but it, it makes me nervous. I'm nervous as fuck as to what the hell is going on. And that's, God, it just shows you how well that that chaos just stands up. Like, I'm, I'm concerned about these people. I want to know what's happening but it's like oh and, man the chaos of it is just beautiful and i don't want to skip past something that you mentioned just really quickly apone is gone apone is one of the first yeah. ones to go your sergeant someone who you you know in a traditional action movie expect to survive until the end gets fucking you know killed immediately like that's yeah. fucking awesome at this point you're like okay all bets are off the table like you know like this is not this is not one of those predictable movies but yeah, love and it. that's that is the true like absolute turning point is because a few of them get taken out before Apone, but it's when Apone goes down. Yeah, and Vasquez and Drake just start going crazy. Um, I well, I guess right before that, but it's when Apone goes down that you completely go to what you're talking about, um, Colin, which is the complete lack of situational awareness and the chaos and Gorman's panic slipping even further and further and just the anxiety as an audience member of watching it. Um, and that's awesome. That is awesome. Cause that, right. that fuels the fire of what we want to get behind, right? What the director wants to get behind, which is Ripley stepping into this absolute chaos exactly. and pulling Thank something you. out of it. No, for sure. Like you get that first few minutes of like confusion and like chaos and then Ripley just takes action. She gets behind the wheel of the APC and heads over to assist. And fucking Gorman is being a piece of shit. That's an order. Like ordering her to fucking stop the thing. Like eat a dick, Burke. Oh, sorry, Gorman. Uh, Burke, Burke <laughs> actually says you had your chance, Gorman. Like how do you, yeah. how do you reckon that plays into his endgame here? Like, I mean, like it actually, it does, right? Because I mean, well, it kind of doesn't because he needs Ripley to be. I, I think there's actually just a completely human moment from Burke of yeah, him being I like, that too. He, he's not a leader, but he's like, okay, like Ripley's taking charge. He, his survival's at stake too. And he's like, Gorman, you had your yes. chance. Like I, let's let Ripley do whatever the fuck she's doing right now. It's the one moment that Burke has that completely kind of threw me in this entire movie. I was like, wait, how does that satisfy his end game? Uh, the Marines board the APC as Vac Vasquez and Drake lay down fire. And I, I wrote here, okay, this is something that I didn't realize until this viewing. There is a lot of acid blood being sprayed around. Like, yeah, there's there's a lot, you know, like Drake bites it, obviously, from some acid blood. Um, and I'm just like, wait, this is for Andy Dufresne. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like one of the Xenos jams its head in the door and Hicks just blows its head off with his trusty shotgun. And I'm just like, hey, a lot of acid blood. Well, and it's great because it's a fact that could be so easily glossed over, but it's their attention to detail, the respect for, I think, the original thing of the film. And, and not only that, it, it helps you along the way of like, hey, maybe we need, we need to eliminate some characters. I mean, you've got Vasquez shooting the thing, which ultimately ends up getting Drake killed. And they shoot this thing and it ends up injuring uh, Hudson. And then later on in the elevator, we see Hicks getting injured. And it's like, yeah, even when you're annihilating them, it's like a kamikaze. It's like they are still lethal. Yeah. Like even 
even even in the destruction of them. But I also don't want to go past when she's driving down the hallways and you know she's fighting with him. That's a miniature. I was That's like, cool. that is amazing. That's fucking amazing. I never would have known that. By the way, Kamikaze, we've already made like a Vietnam War reference to this. Don't bring World War II into this, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about Korea next. <laughs> In the back of the APC, uh, shitty Gorman gets knocked unconscious by falling debris. Okay. Bitch. <laughs> Ripley busts out of the complex and into the open. Uh, she's blind the transaxle, but she keeps going until she's told by Hicks to ease down. Um, and I love that because she's so determined to get them away as far as possible. Um, and so, so begins the downfall of Hudson. Get away from me, man. Um, oh, it's yeah. great. You can see, you can like pinpoint the moment where his confidence is just broken. Uh, he notices uh, that Sarge and Dietrich aren't dead and Vasquez wants to go back. But Ripley says they can't help them. They're being cocooned right now. Hudson wants to bug out, but Ripley lays down one of my favorite lines in the entire franchise, probably in fucking cinema. I use it on a daily basis, actually. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. I say that every time I listen to the news. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Dude, seriously, like every time I hate something, like I actually refer, I'd say that all the time whenever I hear of the Kardashians. I'm just like, I say we take off and just nuke them from orbit. <laughs> um, Burke pipes up in defense of property damage. They can bill me. Love it. <laughs> Burke says he can't authorize that kind of action, but Ripley says this operation is under military jurisdiction, so Corporal Hicks has the last word. I love Hicks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his, his reaction to that kind of reminds me of like a John McClane. I don't know why. It's just like, ah, oh, fine. <laughs> what well, and I also like Burke because not only does Burke hit up the whole you can't destroy a billion dollar installation, but he's also like I don't think you are. He's trying to play that morality yeah. of like I don't think you or I have the right to do to that. Exting- and it's like, dude, fuck them. you. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like go fuck yourself, man. You want to go out there and catch one? Go for it. I'm not stopping. For you. Sure. <laughs> uh, Hicks calls the dropship immediately, and uh, he agrees with Ripley. We see Spunkmeyer enter- entering the dropship. Catches his hands on some jizz before the dropship takes off. Pilot calls for Spunkmeyer, but turns out to greet a xenomorph in the cockpit. Boom. Blood all over the interior. Amazing crash sequence with fantastic miniature detail, dude. I love this. Yeah. This looks fantastic. And then we get Paxton. We're in some pretty real, real pretty shit now, man. <laughs> Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> may, I, uh, may, may I play something for you, gentlemen? Please. That's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. You finished. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> Game over. What are we going to do now? The oh, testy pop. It's the testy pop, dude. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love even like, it's so real, even like uh, Stephen Qu- uh, Stephen King, we were watching uh, some, something on Twitter, he 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 came out and he's like, I have to say probably my favorite horror line has to be, game over, man, game over. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like, That's so fucking cool. It's awesome. beautiful. Fantastic. Newt says we're uh, probably not going to be leaving now, hey. <laughs> yeah, she's real too chill about that. Yeah, Sorry, we're not going to be leaving, are we? She's. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a part of her that's kind of like accepted the fact that she's going to die soon. Like, I kind of get that vibe yeah. off her. Yeah. Um, and they better get back because it'll be dark soon and they mostly come at night. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Boom. That 
finishes the first half of Aliens. And now I have to void my bladder. So we are going to take, take a quick break, guys. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I'm going to go piss for like 10 minutes. No. <laughs> guys, we'll be back with more Aliens right after this break. Game over, man. Game over. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, wherever the hell you are. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, guys. Just while we're taking a quick break here, I am going to plug some shit. No, it's not advertising. It's nothing paid. It's basically just kind of self-masturbatory stuff. Basically, follow us. Follow us on our socials. We have two pages on Facebook called Midnight Double Feature, obviously. And then we have our main group, which is called The After Party, which is fantastic. Our community loves to engage there. Uh, and we that's our main way to communicate with our audience. Please follow the after party. That's a fantastic page. And please follow us on Instagram, which is at Midnight Double Feature, and Twitter, which is at MDF Pod. Um, you can listen to us anywhere on iTunes, anywhere on Spotify, on YouTube, wherever. Um, and if there's no way that you can listen to us on your device, please, please, please let us know by getting in touch with us. You can do that by sending us an email, which is Midnight Double Feature at gmail.com. Now, last but certainly not least, please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. We would love to get your guys' feedback, whether it's positive or negative. Um, just please remember to, you know, put a star and let us know in your little speech bubble thingy what you think of us and where we can improve. That would be fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for listening to my little rant here and back to the show, I guess. See you later. second half of our coverage of 1986's Aliens, and I am Colin, along with Zoheb and Josh still. We're going to crack back into this bitch because we are freshly squeezed, as we like to say. Um, so yeah, we're, we're just kind of dropping right back in here. You know, the dropship's been destroyed. We're heading back into uh, uh, LV-426. All hope is lost. Everyone's dead. Went, dogs and cats slipping, sleeping with each other. All hope is lost. Um but I mean, this is really where their backs kind of get against the wall. And it's interesting because what I like about this is even though this is just an it's like, man, this is a lot of conflict. It's just there's another elemental thing just around the corner. And I and I love that. We'll get to it when we get to it. But it's just we're not quite done feeding these people to the to the fucking wolves yet. Um but with the dropship destroyed, most of their people dead, their survivors turn back to LV-426 as it begins to turn dark. They take inventory of their weapons. They got plasma rifles, grenades, a flamethrower, four century guns, and uh, yeah, 17 days. 17 days is how long it'll fucking take for someone to find out that they're not... Oh. Dude, Jesus We're not even going to last 17 hours, man. Yeah. Well, and I love Ripley. She's like, this little girl lasted longer than that. She didn't even have any guns. It's like, yeah, because she's the oh. fucking, uh, yeah, because she's digging these, like, fucking tunnels. Like, Why I mean, don't she... you put her in charge, man? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love, I love, I love how she's like, she's got that helmet on and she does the salute. <laughs> 
Oh, dude, and we, I totally blew past it, but when they wreck the, I think it's when they get, I can't remember what part, but it's where she, she's seated behind Ripley and they're in the, they're, they're in the, the APC. And as they, as they part, she looks over, she, Newt, she's like, you all right? And Newt just gives her like the thumbs up. Like, I love that, dude. She, yeah, she does so, nice little touches. she does so well without any dialogue, but it's just great. So yeah, they take inventory of these weapons. These sentry guns are fucking awesome, man. I, <sighs> I love this. And what I, what I really love about this whole um, kind of we're going on lockdown, we're getting ready for this. I'm a huge Call of Duty like uh, the the zombie. Yeah, well, I'm a huge Call of Duty like the zombie shit, and I love that horde kind of thing. I'm a huge fan of like the original one on Black Ops, and I play the remastered one on Black Ops Three, uh, specifically the map Kinoder Toten. Dude, I fucking I will nice. I will tear some ass up on that fucking <laughs> on that fucking round, man. Get those windows boarded up. Oh, get dude, those windows boarded that's up. That's what it feels like, you know. That's exactly getting the ray gun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I always get the dingo. It's like this huge fucking BMG. Oh. MJ. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, but yes, uh, this, this sorry, part of ahead. the movie reminds me, sorry, of something you were talking about earlier, Zoeb, is, you know, is, is it more of a war movie or a survival movie? And the more I think about it, it's really both. And uh, to quote the great Matthew Anderson, one of his favorite words, the movie's really bifurcated <laughs> right here. <laughs> but the whole thing really re- leading up to now has a lot, even though there's a lot of dread and tension and, and elements of horror, it has kind of that war movie feel. Because if especially if you think about it as an audience of okay you saw alien and now you're seeing aliens now instead of a, a crew of a civilian ship with improvised weapons you have this squad of ultimate badasses and they have this amazing assortment of firepower and dropships and apc and they're rolling in and you ha- and then boom one engagement they lose like two-thirds of their guys the dropship the apc almost all their weapons and here they are backs against the wall you know, looking at their limited assets left and now it's survival and the odds have right. so immediately um, shifted uh, against their favor. And it, you know, completely changed the feel of, of the movie, the whole conflict from here on out. And that's, that's uh, pretty much a hundred percent due to the fact that they were just too overconfident when they went down there. They were like, all right, well, you know what? We fucking got this shit. Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about these fucking xenomorphs that this crazy lady who survived this this explosion on another ship is talking about. I mean, <laughs> like, they're just like, all right, this is business as usual, right? And then they completely underestimate the 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 the, the power of these creatures and like how viciously and ferociously they attack. And then like once that once once that conflict is over, they're like, oh. Fuck, we totally underestimated these assholes. Yeah, I love Matt's and or I'm sorry, I love Josh's impression of Matt was saying bifurcated. I have a pretty good Dean. <laughs> I have a pretty good Dean impression. Uh, it's just laments. That's my Dean impression. Uh, yeah, you didn't think I'd hear that little dig on Leon the Professional, did you, Dean? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I fucking love you guys. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, and and it's it's. I've heard a lot of um, kind of symbolism thrown around for the Vietnam War. How they went in and it was this, uh, you know, this this high tech. You would think that these people would come out on top, but it was these. It was it was totally the opposite, and that, that's one thing that I think is so interesting about this. And I didn't catch it until many years later, and had to have that explained to me. I was like, oh fuck, yeah, I didn't even think about that. And um, the symbolism between, I mean, you've got Ripley, she loses her child. You've got Newt who loses her mother, and then you've got for 
all intents and purposes, I mean, if you look at the alien monster, if you look at the xenomorph, it is doing what it is made to do. It it knows nothing else. It is not. It, it, you know what I mean? Like the intent behind it, they don't, they're not like, oh, I'm doing this to be malicious. This is how we reproduce. This is how we do things. There is not a malicious, like the predator hunts and that's, it's like a more sophisticated, I'm doing this for leisure. There's intent there. Right. Like there, there's some, there's a, there's an objective, like, you know, whereas this is just like, this is, we're, we're a perfect organism and we're going to pretty much do what we were made to do. Right. That's pretty much kill whatever moves <laughs> and, I, and that's what i love it's just like it's kind of just it, it just ends up being that these are just two separate species doing what they're trying to do survive and it, they end up just being at odds with each other and i love that it's not personal and i fucking i didn't even really catch that until i'm watching this i'm like they're just doing what they were literally made to do and you can kind of like i don't sympathize with i mean fucking annihilate them for sure but um you know a fire ant does what it's supposed to do but fucking i'm gonna kill it you know or a wasp like fuck a wasp but um, I, I love that about it is that you can kind of when you see things from from Ripley's view of like, you're taking this kid away from me. I've already had these kids taken away from me. You can kind of look at it from the queen's perspective as well of like, well, you're doing the same to me. It's just this is just what I do. It's yeah. it's really interesting. Um, it's it's not subtle at all, though. No, I don't think. no. Uh-uh. I mean, it's pretty front and center. Yeah. Um, they all go out on like a Maury show, like, <laughs> like talking about baby daddies and shit. Um, <laughs> So yeah, seventeen days. That's how long they said it will uh, uh, for a rescue team to get to them. I, I, I like this scene with um, with with Newt, where you know she goes and she she kind of hides in the in the or not hide, but she you know she goes and she she sets her down in the bed and shit, and she talks about like monsters. And, and I like this. She's like, you know, we didn't think that monsters were real. She's like, oh, why did they tell kids that? They're like, because I mean, they didn't know. They had fucking no idea that they existed. Um, yeah. It, oh, and before this, they also get like the whole schematics thing. Uh, for I totally skipped over that. Um, you know, they're patching up the air vents, they're sealing up the tunnels, they're fucking, they're prepping, man. They're getting ready for war. Um, and this scene is not a hundred percent necessary. The scene with Newt, but we do kind of need a breather. We need something to, you know, even though this is total chaos and everything's going to shit, we need some kind of moment again to remind us that Ripley is like, why? She, well, you know, she could give a fuck about. Out, you know, honestly, like Hicks or Hudson or especially Burke. But I mean, this kid Newt is like the objective and we know why it's it's great. Um, and, and we got to see her. We know she's a mother, but we haven't seen her be a mother. And yes. you need some of those moments. And like you said, it's the honesty she has with Newt about, you know, it's she's not just lying to the kid to make her feel safe. You know, there's there's a level of honesty there. And we see that, you know, just in a couple scenes, you know that Ripley was a good mother. And that's all it takes. Right. Yeah. And Newt is around the same. I mean, she's nine or 10. You know, um, Ripley's daughter was 11. It's like, man, this is kind of picking up right where the other one left off. It's crazy. Um, well, they sit around, they talk about the uh, the possibility of there of it being like a hive controlled kind of environment with a queen and Bishop fucking drops a bomb. I love the odyssey and the, the naivety and um, I, I don't know of, of him. He literally seems like a 12 year old kid of just like uh, Mr. Bishop gave uh, or I'm sorry, Mr. Burke gave you you know, very specific instructions. These were not to be destroyed. It's like, yeah, maybe uh, a normal person wouldn't have just dropped that on everybody. But I mean, right. he's just like, it's so it. matter of factly, right? Yeah. But like, even even before that, like, it's 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 fascinating that it's Hudson who brings up the idea of the Queen. Like, out of all, out of all all of the people there, it's it's the one who's fucking afraid and like so confused and 
I guess, you know, his mind is just a mess. He's the one who brings up the idea of like, there's got to be something at the top of this, right? Like there's, he compares it to ants or is it, yeah, he's like, and like Vasquez is like, well, those are bees. <laughs> right. I love that. She's like, she's like, these aren't ants. So stupid. I know that. And like, he's, uh, he just cuts right into her. Um, yeah. He gave very specific instructions. We're not to destroy these. We're supposed to bring them back. Blah, 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 yada, yada. Uh, and she confronts him about it. I fucking love that. And I love Burke. He's like, you know, if you come, if we do this, there's a lot of money to made. Will we be set up for life? You know, but it's like, oh, wow. Like, Shut the fuck up. it's just the shameless, like, first you said, we weren't going to capture these. Now that's a lie. Now I know that you sent these people to this destination based off my testimony. Strike two. Strike three. Now you're trying to make me complicit in smuggling these things through, you know, uh, fucking inspection, immigration or whatever it is. You know, this this kind of you know, the inspection checkpoint. Um yeah, and she says you sent them out there. You didn't even warn them. Why didn't you warn warn them? He's like, okay, look, what if what if that ship didn't even exist? Did you ever think about that? I didn't know. So if I went and made a major security situation out of it, everybody steps in, administration steps in, and there's no exclusive rights for anybody. Wow, that's your justification. Exclusive rights. Well, and, yeah. and then it was a bad call, Ripley. It was a bad call. Really? Like a bad call is like I don't know. Something you say in a football game. It's a referee making a fucking wrong decision, not something that like directly impacts 157 people. <laughs> right. And I mean, I, I, and I, I like the, the how Ripley ratchets this up. She's like, you know, you are responsible for these people's death and I will make sure that everyone knows about this, especially when we get into inspection. And uh, but even still, Burke being like, you know, Ripley, I really thought there this was just something better of you and it's like this sounds like the manager i had at the restaurant i worked at for five years and i you know i'd work 45 hours that week and he'd be like hey do you mind staying late i'm like no i got something going on he's like okay man cool and all of a sudden i'm working night shifts all next week i was like, you fucking asshole like that, <laughs> that that's what that reminds me of um, paul riser is definitely underrated in this movie i think yeah just and i think a lot of it's just because you fucking hate his character so much but it's because he's i think he's really good at playing burke <laughs> Well, yeah, because he's trying to, you know, at the same time, he's like, I'm not a bad, again, do I think he's a bad guy? Like, n no, I, I, like deep down, deep down, deep down, is he like, does he want uh, these people to die? Is he like a villain of the, of the, of the truest like kind of nature? No, not really. But that's what I think is so interesting about his character is like, did he really want 150 something people to die? No. Was he willing to exploit their, was he willing to put their lives on the line to, yeah, exploit that for his own gain. Yeah, sure, but it's like it's it's interesting about him because I don't really think he wants 150 people to die, but at the same time, it's it's the risk and 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 running with the dice and the fact that you're willing to roll the dice on that is what makes you a bad person. Whether or not you want them to die, the fact that you rolled the dice is the problem. And it's like, God damn, dude. Um, especially later on when they confront him with, with Newt and oh my God, the way Newt looks at him, like I'm going to eat your eyes. Like I fucking love the way she stares at him later on, but yeah, he's a fucking bastard, but I just, guys, let's just look at this from Burke's perspective. What I'm saying is... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you better give me like a Hitler speech. Yeah, right. <laughs> is that what's going to happen? Listen, not all of them were good people. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, 
So as Ripley's leaving this kind of thing with uh, this kind of confrontation with Burke, this alarm gets triggered. The sentry guns, uh, they go to fucking town on this. Oh, they go to town on these xenomorphs. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh, I fucking love it, man. Is this is this not in the theatrical cut? Actually, no. that I don't. Okay. I would say I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think I all these smart gun scenes aren't. Oh, dude, that sucks because I can't imagine this movie without it. Every time, every time someone says aliens, I'm just like, "Yep, fucking sentry gun scene." <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And it's not even like it's one of those situations where it's kind of like a Mandela effect because, like, I have some kind of weird memory of like these these guns just totally mowing down like multiple aliens, and that that shot doesn't come, like it never happens. And I, I guess that works in its favor, especially these first two guns here that run dry. Um, like it works in its favor that you they he lets you imagine it, imagine the situation that's happening in that hallway. You don't get any shots of like aliens being mowed down because you don't. He he doesn't want to tell you how many there are. He's just like you know what the audience can decide, and it's probably a shitload. Yeah, to put you there with it with the characters, they're they're watching the yeah. same thing. You're like at first they're probably thinking like fuck yeah they're smoking them, and then as the ammo keeps dropping and dropping and dropping, and and then they run dry. You're like, oh my god, how many are there? For sure, dude. The rate of fire of these guns is insane. They, like that, that number just drops. <laughs> well, and I love it's kind of like what what you guys were talking about with these deleted scenes of what we don't see is actually more interesting than what we do see. And that, I mean, don't get me wrong. We cut to a shot of that hallway of just them getting ripped to shreds. Oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. But it's just the fact that we don't see it is like it's you know you you let your mind fill in those gaps. Um, in reality, there was, uh, and I wonder if it will if, if it was strictly a logistics. A logistics problem because they had six suits. That's it. That is all the Xenomorph suits that they had were six suits and the queen puppet really? at the end. I was like, huh. damn, dude. And they said there was one, the one that you see, and you, you do kind of see it a couple of times getting shot and blown up. They cut to the same shot maybe two or three times, which is not a nitpick. It's, I mean, you just kind of notice it. Um, but it's the same one that gets run over. It's the same, like, anytime they needed to just destroy one, they would just destroy this thing, patch it back up, and put it right back together. And be like, this is our. Well, consider the budget, right? Like, the, the budget for this it really isn't that big i mean it's 17 to 18 million dollars like sure that's 1996 money but for a movie like this where there's massive explosions and like constant gunfire like uh, and massive sets that's that's not that much <laughs> no i and actually i i kind of i looked it up on an inflation calculator it's less than 50 million dollars by today like why yeah. wild wild west was 180 million dollars that's <laughs> uh. crazy to fucking think about man like what you can do and they said that was cameron cameron would stretch the budget like so thin and do so and that's you know kind of like doing the mirror effect on the on the cryopods and doing shit like that it wasn't just him but he you know for all even with bumping heads with a british crew and stuff they they managed to stretch that budget fucking even though they probably could have asked for more and, and gotten it um they did the best with what they had and, and it really shows um <clears throat> So yeah, these sentry guns—they go to town. They fucking unload. Now, is do the do the xenomorphs just stop right there, or is that the point where they start kind of crawling all over them? And they can hear them like crawling around. I think it's the second set of sentry guns where the xenomorphs are like, "All right, we got to stop. 
because we these things were just annihilating us. They kind of they kind of adapt. And I, I like this right here because once the guns stop, they can hear them like crawling above them. It's like, dude, just the claustrophobia of that, of like know where you're at is safe is so fucking terrifying, man. And, and then again, even if you get in proximity or you shoot one, there's still the risk of the acid fucking just destroying you. Like, holy shit. It's you're fucked if you do and you're fucked if you don't. Um but in a stroke of bad to worse, Bishop informs them that due to the damage in the nuclear reactor, it has stopped venting properly and will explode in four hours. Oh, that's great. <laughs> great. <laughs> They're just like, and it's a beautiful shot, too. I love the way that looks out there in the distance, just that huge and all this darkness, this big flash of light. It's and it's it's just very pretty looking kind of thing. I really, really dig that shot. Um they discuss possibly calling the second drop ship, but that also creates problems with the transmitter being destroyed in the crash. Um, they determine the only choice is for someone to go all the way out to the uplink tower and remote pilot the second drop ship down to them. Um, <clears throat> and, I, and I think this is an important moment because Bishop volunteers. This is, even though he has done nothing wrong, he is up shit's creaking without a paddle on Ripley's end. I, I mean, again, due to no fault of his own, but just because, I mean, she has a prejudice towards this synthetic person. Um, and it, this is, I think this is great because, A, like you said, he's the only one that can remote pilot it anyways, but it's it's his turn at some kind of, even though it's he didn't really do anything, it's some chance to prove himself because he's- He needs agency. Right. And we need, I mean, it's great because he's the pilot. He's kind of like the medic and shit. Later on, we see him like doing surgery on the face hugger. And now he's the guy doing this. Like he is an ex extremely resourceful character. And, and I really dig that. Um, I, one, one of the things that I, I love about this scene is when he's like, yeah, yeah, man, let Bishop go. He can do it. <laughs> <laughs> he has no problem letting fucking. And at first you think, yeah, Bishop's just, you know, let him go. He's a synthetic. Fuck it. He's not a real human. But I, I, I love he's like, I might be synthetic, but I'm not stupid. Like, oh, man, that is good. That is so fucking good. Like, again, in an alternate world of casting, I would love to see Lance Henderson be like Vision from the Avengers. I think he would oh, be nice. great. I think he would do good so point. well. Um and if I if I wrote fan fiction, I would love to see him and Roy Batty sit down and have a like to me, Roy Batty is like Ultron, whereas whereas Bishop is like Vision. Like I would love to see that just should be on the same side, but just totally not on the same side. I really, really dig that. And I, and I had a question because obviously, you know, I'm fucking balls deep on Lance Henriksen's cock over here. What do you guys think of <laughs> what do you guys think of like Michael Fassbender's David versus something like Lance Henriksen's Bishop? Like, wh what do you think of the transition between? I know they're to two totally different characters and they're intense and everything and what have you. But um, wh what do you think of the, about the betrayals of these synthetic sure. humans? Josh, have you seen Prometheus and Covenant? Not Covenant, but Prometheus. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think, um, I mean, all the, the synthetics are always really interesting characters in these movies. <clears throat> you know, Ash was, Bishop is, and um, what's the name of uh, Fassbender's David, character? David. David, right. Um, they're all very different, but I think they're all very interesting um, and play, you know, I think Prometheus was kind of a pile of shit, but I, Fassbender's great as David. He's yeah. definitely the best part of it. Yeah, for sure. So, what about you, Zoho? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like, and 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 watching watching Alien, um, literally just back to back with this last week was 
It, it kind of fascinating because if you watch it through the lens of okay, uh, like like if you kind of watch it through the lens of like how you watch Burke in the second round of this movie, um, then you you kind of like catch more and more of um, you know Ian Ian Holmes sort of like Ash and like how he's kind of like deceiving these these people. Um, yeah, I definitely found it interesting because I think science fiction science fiction movies one of the best themes and most interesting themes that they can explore is AI. Um, I, I love the idea of, um, uh, of, of AI being programmed to do something specifically and then trying to break out of that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like kind of like right. an ex, ex machina kind of situation, something like that. Um, and I think a hundred percent David, Michael Fassbender's character in Prometheus is, Super interesting because of that reason, because in that movie, the plot of that movie revolves, so much of the plot of that movie revolves around him experimenting on the crew of the Prometheus. And I think that is an interesting idea. It wasn't executed very well, but I think it's an interesting idea. And then in Alien Covenant, again, it's David and his other counterpart, Walter, um, that's just as interesting because you've got these two sort of like opposite well same model android with two different ideologies and then it's just like where do we go from here so yeah i think the that this franchise does androids super super well and not not very not like other sort of science fiction films that do androids or robots yeah, it's 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 definitely it's definitely interesting, and I and I, I like that. Especially, for, we see a lot of the AI like Ex Machina, like um, Terminator, you know, like Roy Batty who fight their their programming. But Bishop is so subservient to that. I mean, because I love he's like it is against my nature to allow or by any you know cause you know harm or allow another human being to be harmed it's but it's right. still that's asimov's asimov's isaac asimov's three rules of robotics that i was I mentioned earlier right have you seen irobot it's in it's in that not a great movie but yeah yeah same shit um so they patch Bishop into the small conduit that's leaking up the, uh, uh, you know, it's the the uplink tower. <clears throat> God, talk about fucking claustrophobia, dude. And great shots of him going through just oh wiggling God. through it. You're like, Jesus. That's horrifying. Yeah. And Bishop <laughs> swam through 500 riads of shit and wound up clean <laughs> on the other side. Um, and, and and me, like like me thinking about getting my fucking chubby ass body in there. Oh, dude. Like, <laughs> like I've, got, I've got like a fucking 48 inch chest. I'm like, I'm not going to fit through that fucking thing. Um, I got a 48 inch dick or something in there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they patch Bishop in. He's kind of crawling along. Meanwhile, the other two sentry guns begin their assault in the other tunnel. Um, but, I mean, the xenomorphs kind of stop with 10 shots left. And they're like, wait, what the fuck are they doing? Uh, and I, I think that's so interesting they're, them realizing the trap. And it reminds me. They learn. Right. It, it, it reminds me of, um, I, th- I think it might be I Am Legend, where they won't come out for the traps anymore. And like, what are they doing? They're like, well, because they know. Like, they understand what this is. And it shows you that the, they aren't just mindless ants, that there is some kind of uh, intelligence there. There is something, I mean, 
any animal starts to feel the heat of a fire too much, it backs up from the fire. And it's not so dumb that it just bull rushes the fire. Maybe some, but I mean, that's the if this thing is the perfect organism, the survival in it will kick in and say, okay, well, if I go down that way, I'm dead. I've got to stop. And it makes so much sense for them to, to, to kind of just halt and kind of regroup because what do they have? They have time and they have numbers. That's all they need. Um, it's also really scary that these creatures can adapt to things. Yes. Like if you're in the situation that these colonial marines are in Ripley, then eventually you're going to be like, well, fuck, what do we do now? Like, we relied on the guns and they've learned, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that and, you know, hey, our guns have run out of ammo. Right, yeah, exactly. I, you know, I'm not sure if we've gone past or if we're right at it, but the scene where Ripley's just like, hey, fucking kill me, by the way. If it ends up coming to that point, I'm not being yeah, turned... Yeah, suicide uh, pact. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, this lighthearted family romp. Um, so, you know, and we also get Hicks training Ripley with the weapons, you know, we kind of see some closeness between them, but again, it's not, it's not heavy handed. It's not shoehorned in. I'm so glad. You can see. So glad it doesn't devolve into some bullshit romance, man. Right. I would, I mean, you can obviously tell like if they got down to the last hour of living, she'd be like, listen, I just want to get a dick last time. Just come on. <laughs> like you, I'd be like, all right, yeah, that I can uh, see, but they don't date after this. They don't, you know, she's, she doesn't turn back to save, you know, the Hicks. It's, I mean, it's nothing like I'm, that. I'm sure they'll pursue that in the sequel. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. oh wait. <laughs> or do they kill one of them off screen? Cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot uh, about I, that. I love, I love, like, how as soon as, as soon as, like, there this starts to become a moment, um, Hicks is like, well, we might as well get engaged. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I dig that line because he's kind of like, it's just addressing the fact that he's like, yeah, I mean, fuck it, we're not going to get engaged. Like, what do you think's going to happen? That's, what that's I like right ab- after he gives her the tracker, by the way. That's an important thing. Yes. What I like about it, too, is that it's not just it's not just a physical attraction thing. There's an attraction between them because of they respect each other. We see that before we see any kind of flirtation. Like when, when she's the one that kind of points out that Hicks is the one in charge and, you know, he kind of playfully, you know, reiterates that whole thing about nuking him from orbit. Um, I, so their relationship does more than just play a love interest. It, you know, it reinforces the fact that they're both strong characters that respect each other. Um, and you know, for what it's worth, I still like when movies show me like how a character can be capable of something. So, you know, Ripley's never fired a pulse rifle. So this little erotic weapons handling class, cool. It's a little something practical. It's practical. And I like that the first time Ripley shoots it at an alien, she kind of like, like yells and jumps back, you know, and you know, she kind of has to earn her action hero moment at the very end. Right. I dude, I totally I noticed that and put it in the notes. The fact that she's not just this. All right. I've learned how to handle a weapon for 45 seconds. I must be a pro at it now. She's like, no, I mean, she not until the end is she really like loaded for bear and fucking, you know, hauling ass at this thing. And even, and even then she's kind of like duct taping the weapons together. I'm like, all right, it's kind of bullshit, but whatever. Um, <laughs> no, it's it, it is definitely interesting seeing that that weapon play. Um so, yeah, we see this closeness between them with the gun. Uh, Ripley goes to check on Newt. She finds her under the bed and she dozes off herself, but uh, wakes up and holy shit, the jars just kind of like rolling on the floor a little bit. You're like, uh, fuck, man. Like, it's like looking in the looking in your anaconda's like snake, uh, your little your your little anaconda aquarium and not seeing the snake anymore. You're like, uh, where is that? It's like it actually. In a, <laughs> well, when, it, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like when you see that tube, like at this point you you you're not assuming that it's 
Burke, like you're not assuming that there's been some other, like you know, someone's tampered with something. You're assuming that oh fuck, one of those things has broken out on its own accord. Like you know, it's just some kind of accident that happened. Like at this point, like before she reaches for the gun and it's not there, you're like, okay, so this is a situation that we got to get out of now. And then you're kind of like hit with the extra gut punch, and it's like, oh, the gun's gone, and it's outside of the fucking room. And then it's like fucking Burke. <laughs> right, yeah, because I mean to be completely honest, if they don't show Burke with with you know um with Hicks turning that little camera off, like there is I mean, you pretty much know, but there's not a hundred percent guarantee. Like there's not, but because they show us that, we know. So of course, you know, she wakes up, she ends up setting the lighter to the thing, you know, the 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 sprinklers just sets everything off. We get this fight between her and the two face huggers. Uh I love the way she traps the first one with the bed and flips it over. That's great. That's such smart thinking. Like this thing can't weigh more than like a pound or oh. two. Just flip it over, flip the fucking bed over on it. Totally, dude. And like there is a shot of like the face hugger like just crawling towards it, like yes. like kind of sprinting. Ooh. That looks awesome. And I want to give fucking hats off to Stan Winston for that shit, man. Because the the practical effects of the creatures in this uh definitely go to him. Like they they look fantastic, especially that shot. No, absolutely. And it gave me a very thing feeling, you know, with the head like crawling away and shit. And you got to be fucking oh, yeah, kidding nice. me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, eventually they're able to they they get to the med bay. They shoot out the glass. They save Newton Ripley. Uh, I love Hudson. Uh, you know, Hudson just unloads half a clip into one of them. And Vasquez just like, <laughs> like barely burst fires and kills the other one. It's like, dude, conserve your ammo, dude. And uh, dude, Hicks, Hicks like rolling through the glass, through the window. Fucking love that. Shit, yeah, man. that looks looks fucking sick. Um, and we cue Burke being a totally unforgivable asshole. Uh, I love that they quarter him afterwards and shit. They waste no time. Like he's already like in the interrogation chair. <laughs> well, and and uh, your dog meat, pal. <laughs> yeah, and one well, I love his his rebuttals. He's like, I mean, these are paranoid delusions. Like it's really sad. Such a bad liar. And it's like, dude, Such no. Such a bad liar. Like, I mean, for the first thing you should say is like, how can you prove that I had anything to do with that? But like the first thing you say is this is just sad. You're all crazy. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I don't think so. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Uh, fuck mad about you. She, I hate your she, goddamn show. She no, makes, <laughs> <laughs> she makes uh, a couple of leaps here. Like, I think. Um, I mean, like, you know, obviously from the situation and what we already know about Burke, she can, like, blame him for, for this. But, like, I don't know, like, sabotaging the freezers on the way back, like, I, that's a bit, that's a bit much. Right. I, I mean, again, like, if we see something like, hey, what happened to the cryopods? Oh, uh, yeah. that's a little weird. Like, nobody else noticed the cryopods yeah. are fucked up. Like, it is a couple of little leaks. But given what we know about him, seeing him flip that monitor off or like anything is possible now, Burke. Anything. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, she, she says that uh, he was his plan was to have them impregnate her and Newt so they could slip past customs. Uh, Hicks is about two pounds of pressure away from turning Burke's head into a canoe when the power is cut. Uh, <laughs> I love that. He's just like, all right, we waste him. Like, like very little hesitation. Because you kind of see Hicks, like, hesitating for a second. Then he's like, nah, <laughs> like let's just nah. kill him. Um, but the power gets turned off. Uh, I love that. It's wh- why the fuck did, how are they smart enough to know that that's a necessity for us. Like, fuck. They're animals, man. Right, yeah. It's like, holy fuck, man. That is another terrifying, intelligent move by them. Um, 
So Vasquez and Hudson, they kind of take uh, they take these motion trackers and eventually see that the movement is coming from all over the fucking place. I know they're like, Hudson, you're crazy. Get out of here. And she's like, no, he might actually kind of be right. Like, yeah. um, and- we need someone sane to give us like to, to, to back up this information given by the insane one. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I love that this kind of it's it's almost the final stand. Of, I mean, it kind of is the final stand of them as an entire group together in one room, just unlo- unloading on these things totally um, did. It, i mean this 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 is the moment you're they've broken through the tunnels you're out of ammo and the sentry guns like you've got not only do we have the aliens breaking and trying to kill we have the internal struggle of burke trying to kill them i mean he doesn't give a fuck it's so it's so nuts it's hit it's hit a very natural point where it's like now is the unleash the kraken moment like now is the moment we have to have a face-to-face like for real confrontation with these things um for sure and i love i love the red like the red light yes it feels very it's, like when your school had a tornado drill and all the fucking power got cut <laughs> off and the emergency lights are on um it, and it's even more harsh and impactful because the movie's so blue, like through right. most of it, like every like nice blue light was so dominant. And so we switched to this red and it's like, holy shit. Yes. Love it. Good fucking catch, man. Um, and I mean, that's Cameron, though. I mean, you fucking look at, at T2. It just loves blue light. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking light. But I, I mean, I, I think it looks fantastic. Um so they, you know, they're in this room. This huge firefight happens. They realize they're coming out of the scene. They're coming out of the floors and coming out of the toilet. They're coming out of fucking everywhere. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, like you said, Josh, coming out of the dunny, right? <laughs> I like you said this this great this great you know. Um, scene with with uh ripley as she goes to fire and she's like even to the point where she screams and she shoots and it kind of pushes her back against the wall she's not ready for the recoil of it you're like holy fuck and you know burke makes this escape and locks them all behind um and i guess he's just like fucking him so much how are you gonna get out of there how are you gonna survive now (laughs) like your best bet is to like grovel back until no hope is like you're just you're kind of killing your i think at this point it's like fuck it um but, you know, like I said, Burke, he escapes, he locks them all behind, and fucking R.I.P. Hudson, man. I mean, he goes down like a boss. He kind of goes out like Drake. Like, Drake wouldn't fucking put the flamethrower down and get on the APCs. He just, like, keeps going. Um, but Dude, that, that last scream that he gives is blood-curdling. And, like, just the, the the quick shot of, like, the the fingers of the alien on his face. Yes. Oh. I would, I've, Damn. I would have loved just to just pull it. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> just pull it away. Um, just <laughs> and I love Vasquez because you can see how pissed she is at this, like firing the fucking grenade. I love seeing the Zetamore flopping like like head first, like doing front flips and shit. Oh, I love that. That's so good. <clears throat> um, well, they I mean, look awesome when they're coming down the corridor. I think they oh, they film that in a vertical. Like with like uh, the guy in the suit oh, coming yeah. down yes. on a rope, like a rappel. Yeah. But it, when you look at it, it just looks so unnatural and alien. The movement, you know, as it's like kind of scurrying, flying down this corridor. Yes, it's like a it's like a spider. It's just like so like whoa, what the fuck? Um, you know, Hudson gets killed. They break the lock. They get into another room. Um, I think this is where Burke is killed as well. And he's just, I mean, he's fucked. It's, he it almost reminded me of like Benny and the Mummy when he's just like running through. Like, what do I do now? And then he just gets <laughs> totally like snatched up. Um, 
Which fuck Burke though? I don't care. Um, <laughs> yeah, they break the lock. They get into this. They get into this new room. Uh, and Newt. I mean, speaking of strong, strong female characters. I mean, obviously we've talked about Ripley. Obviously we've talked about Vasquez. But Newt. Newt is. I mean, her performance is great. I mean, there's this awesome kind of PTSD like sullen kind of like what you said Zohead this kind of she is ex- she's almost accepted this this has been her day-to-day life for god knows how fucking long I mean maybe not this extreme but the trying to stay under radar radar because if you don't I mean you're fucking dead even going out for food or water or I mean trying to find some place to take a shit you might fucking die and, I, and I, I love how resourceful she is in this and she's like no there's this whole thing of tunnels like let's go um, and she's not just a you know she's not a plot device She's not just a kid. She's not just dead weight that they have to worry about because guess what? She's not a MacGuffin. Right. Yeah. And, and in all movies, we can't let the kid die, especially in, you know, in a film in the mid 80s. We can't let the kid die, you know, obviously. But no, she actually has some kind of um, she actually has some kind of action. She takes some kind of action. I really dig that. Um they're going through the air vents again. I really dig this, uh, especially with that Va- with Vasquez. And this is, I mean, this is also where we see people. I mean, Hudson's gone, Burke's gone. Then we've got um, is it Goldman or Col- who's the the shit house lieutenant that everybody hates? Gorman. Um, Gorman, thank you. Uh, this is where we get Vasquez and Gorman kind of going out. But again, a redemptive thing for Gorman. Gorman goes back. Like he, I mean, he, we, this is the first time we see him, one of the first times we see him actually handling a weapon, actually having some initiative to do something uh, besides sweat and fucking look wide eyed at a monitor. Um, and I really dig all this. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I dig the the camaraderie. Well, not the, the camaraderie, the. I don't know, even though she's like, oh, God, you've always been an asshole, you know, when they die. I mean, it's it's just again, she's like, if this is I mean, if I'm dying, I'm dying with you. At least we're dying together. And you get that feeling when she grabs his hand and, you know, like what's about to happen. It's like, fuck, man. Right. Yeah. The sense of like we're in this together. Yeah. Kind of thing. Gorman's kind of a two part redemption and it's not worth it. It doesn't pay off what he collected, if you will, um, (laughs) because he's such a fuck up. The obvious redemption is when he goes back for Vasquez and they, they go out together and it's a good, it's a great moment. But the other part is the fact that when he comes back too, he doesn't try to take back over because he knows he's not cut out for it. It's just that realization that he's not in charge. He lets Ripley and Hicks run the show. And it's, it's kind of like a, it's an inaction, but it's, it's a positive thing because he he never should have been in that position in the first place. He's not cut out for it. He, you know, um, and the best thing he can do is go out, not quite like a little bitch and go out with a boss. Right. Vasquez. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I mean, Vasquez goes out like she unloads that fucking gun. She takes the pistol out. Kind of dumb putting your foot on the alien's head and doing that. I mean, come on. Like, you know what these things are going to fucking do. Like, I get it. It's the moment. But like, I mean, you, you've seen what happens to these things in proximity when they're shot. I mean, I guess she's kind of hit a point where they're like, fuck it. But still, I'm like, I would never put my fucking you go to put your boot on this thing's head to just eat your foot. <laughs> like, fuck, that's a bad move. Um but Vasquez, you know, she shoots it up. Uh, her and her and Gorman blow. Uh, they blow each other. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. They, well, they, <laughs> they blow each other up. Um, you know, they're cut off from the rest of the group. They, but their sacrifice buys them time. That's the important thing. But at the same time, it's a, right. it's a double-edged sword. Not only does it buy them time, but it ends up being the thing that blows Newt uh, kind of back through. She, she she kind of takes the express slide back down in, <laughs> into the vents, um, and and you can tell the 
panic in Ripley's voice. Hicks, get her. Hicks, get her. You know, she's so attached yeah. to this kid, man. It's 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 so very believable. Yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, like I said, Newt she gets uh, she gets blasted back through the thing. They try to get to her, and uh, the Xenomorphs snatch her up though and run away. And uh, they're cutting through the floor trying to get to her. And I love Hicks. Hicks has to like pull Ripley away. He's like, "She's gone. We have to go. Like we're gonna die too. Like this will all be pointless if we can't fucking get off this rock." Like not only are there these aliens. Hey, guess what? This whole place is gonna be. What does he say? He's like. Um, Bishop later is like, yeah, this whole thing's going to be an atomic blast the size of Nebraska at about 22 minutes. It's like, dude, right. get the fuck off this rock. Dude, I just want to mention, man, like the way the way that fucking Xenomorph rises out of that water, like tail first oh, and grabs fucking grabs near it. It's just it's just it's next level good because like, man, these Xenomorphs like the, the suits look awesome. With the with the the look of the wet, like you know the the slime that's just coming off them, it looks fantastic, man, and it looks otherworldly. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. And then like this whole sort of like sequence of 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 Hicks and um, <clears throat> Hicks and Ripley like going into this elevator, and man, just this fucking quick ass jump scare of this alien that grabs grabs the doors of the lifts, and Hicks just has to blast it open. It's fucking cool. Well, yeah, and this, especially when Hicks is pulling Ripley away and she's like, they don't kill you. They don't kill you. Like, she's, yeah. she knows what's going to happen to her. And that's what's where, I mean, if they were just like, hey, they ripped her in half, obviously she'd be heartbroken, but like, at least she's not going to be turned to, it's the difference between killing somebody and torturing them. It's like, fuck, man. See, I I had a little bit of a problem with that. I mean, sure, they don't kill you in this movie, but... I mean the f- the first one like they they killed her like I mean the aliens killed her fucking you know shipmates. I think so it was the fact they didn't really- they didn't have a queen to deliver the eggs like that's their whole biology is such a weird thing when you really think about it where to reproduce you literally need a, a living host. Yeah. So the only way you can reproduce is to get. Is to capture. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of goofy science if you really think about it, but yeah, I guess that's the, because every one of those colonists was brought down there alive because they're pinned up against the wall that you saw earlier. And it's kind of, you don't see it because it's not uh, very obviously because it's not lit super well, but all the dead ones, their chests are burst, you know, blown open. Mm. So they were brought down there alive to give birth to a little, little dude running around. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense to me, like, in, if you put it that way, like, that they have an objective, um, like, like to, to capture to capture these colon- colonists so they can, I guess, propagate their species. Also, the first, movie. The one, the one, yeah, also a movie, right? <laughs> uh, and the, the first one, like, the one in the first one didn't really have that intention. It was just kind of like, that thing has to survive on that ship as well, so... Right, yeah, it's like Kane. It's the false hope of Kane coming back and being like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm going to sit down and eat a meal with you guys. Like, I'm good. <laughs> and, and, like, imagine yeah. when they go into that fucking, you know, the basement cocoon for the first time, all the Marines together, and that woman is still alive. Dude, how long has she been alive down there? Like, how long has it been since anybody's heard anything from these people? Can you imagine how long she sat there and had to wait and wait and wait when she knows everybody around her died this way? Like, that is that's torture, man. Like, holy fuck. That that's the kind of shit that scares the fuck out of me. Like, no, yeah, like it's just, the same. Sorry, it's the same length of time that um, Newt's been running around, right? 
Right. Yeah. It's like, good God, man. Like that, that is terrifying to me knowing that it's coming and just sitting there and making somebody wait like fuck. Um, but yeah, they get to this elevator, you know, he shoots, shoots the xenomorph in the head a la T2. I love that. I mean, it's just like, ah, T2. Yes. I do <laughs> have good taste. Um, but yeah, but again, close proximity. Hicks gets fucking hit with the um, with the acid, and, and I love I love the the eye being you know the eye being blinded, the armor just getting shredded off because it's like they're literally down to they're down to nothing. There's like no weapons left. There's no armor, and luckily this is where you know Bishop's like, hey, I've got the ship, blah blah blah, and they. <laughs> they get back to the ship and she's like, we're not leaving. We're not. <laughs> like Bishop's like, huh? <laughs> Why are we not leaving? <laughs> um. But yeah, a little bit of a change of plans, right? So the second drop ship uh, arrives. We see you know uh, Ripley kind of loading up a weapon. She's getting ready. Great, great scene between her and Hicks, where he's like, you know, hey, uh, wh- what exactly does he say to her here? Where he gives his first name? I, I I'm I I can't quite Dwayne? remember. Dwayne, thank you. Yeah. And um, she's like, she's like, hey. He's like, hurry back, Ellen. I'm like, oh, that's cool, dude. I dig that. Because, again, exactly what you said, Josh, this respect factor of, like, I think we can cut the formalities now. Like, I think we know each other pretty decently. Like, we're both, we're both, like, I get a somewhat, like, Mad Max Furiosa vibe of, like, we, we're yeah, this. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, we're this, we're this warrior respect thing you know where like we're both equally equally matched but it's 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 cool i i I equally matched but in different ways and i think that's so interesting um and again bishop yeah this thing's going to be the size of montana in like two in like an hour 22 minutes or something whatever he says um but she restocks on the ammo i i do dig it though her putting the plasma rifle with the fucking flamethrower i'm like oh that's uh, it's iconic I mean, yeah. this whole this whole shot of her like coming down the lift, and then like the 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 doors of the lifts just you know open up, and she's standing there, and you get this really kind of like this movement of the camera that just pans in on her and looks fucking fantastic, dude. Well, and I've got to ask Josh, what is the as she's walking, she clicks these things, and I know we're not quite there yet. Is it like a tracer thing? They look like little green cigarettes. You know what I mean? Just flares. What? Okay, I, that's what I thought, but I was like, are these, is she just marking to know where she's been? I yeah, because it looks okay. like, I so mean, it's a maze back. down there, and man, it's so yeah. smart. It's a, like, you know, again, she's such a badass, you know, not just the gearing up and having all the weapons, but she knows she's going to go into some crazy shit and going to have to be moving out very quickly. Um, and yeah, man, just the, you said it, the, the look of this whole scene, her going in, and it's, you think about a movie, so often when you get to this final sequence, you're going to try to escalate. The final set's going to be even bigger and badder and you're going to introduce new weapons. Nope. It's the same place they went before. She has the same weapons we've seen before, but the way it's shot and the fact that it's her and the stakes and the, the time crunch that's there. It's cool that when the, the voice says 15 minutes. It's actually 15 minutes of screen time. The nice little touch, you oh. know, the close up on the pilot light and the incinerator. These aren't new things. These are the things the movie's already established and yet it feels more climactic. And that's, that's awesome. That's well done. Instead of being the cheap thing of like, all right, we just have to make it bigger and more and boomier. Right. Yeah. Because we've seen, we've, we've come down here before and we've had well-trained, well-equipped, a group of people and now we have 
uh, uh, you know, we have this character who isn't trained in this weaponry, who has no armor, you know, but she has the experience to deal with these things. And that's what's so fucking cool about it is like her drive and her experience with them and her and her wits are ultimately kind of what save her in this. And it ends up being a thing of, uh, yeah, un- unfortunately, you know, uh, yes, all these people have had to fucking die. They had no idea what they were walking into. They probably thought there was one of them. But now she knows, listen, you have to have eyes in the back of your head. You just have to constantly be looking around you. And I think that's what's so in- so interesting about it. She's, she's killed one of these things before. So I think as much as she is like, fuck, I mean, I'm in a lot of danger. She... In the back of her head, I think she's like, I killed one of you fuckers already. <laughs> you know, like I fucking I took out one of your kind. Like I can do it again there. I think she knows like whereas we've seen all these people get obliterated by it. And they probably feel not that these things are unstoppable, but because there's so many of them, you know, she's like, I'm not here to wipe out this whole thing. I'm just here to get the fuck out because <clears throat> the reactor is going to do my job for me when we get the fuck off this planet. Um, so- she's not going to lose another daughter again. Yes, exactly. Bingo. Um, so yes, yeah, she and I love her strapping the the motion. Or I'm sorry, the motion tracker, the uh, whatever the the tracker beacon thing to the gun. Uh, I love that. And she goes, she goes down into the elevator. You know, she's walking around, and her just like randomly just blowing fire everywhere. Like I, I, it, it kind of made me laugh. I'm like, she's just like, hey, I'm here. Like just blowing fire at random <laughs> intervals. It, it kind of made me laugh. I'm like, is she like? torch and shit just to torch it i I didn't quite understand but i was like yeah it looks cool i'm not gonna judge it too much um but but she finds the fucking watch and oh dude there's just you know even if you've never seen this before you know nude's not dead you know there's no way but like just the 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 half a second they let her think that she is dead you're like ooh, that's that's great oh that stings man uh but like i said she's not uh, she wakes, Newt wakes up covered in fucking Spider-Man webbing. And um, <laughs> and the the shot of, as, she, as soon as she wakes up, the face hugger just opens up. The egg opens up and you're like, oh, fuck, man. Like, just prime for the fucking, it, it, <clears throat> it's like taking candy from a baby. It's right there. Um, <clears throat> sorry. And uh, Newt's uh, terrifying screams of terror at the face hugger let uh, Ripley know where to find her. She goes in and she starts fucking annihilating. She shoots the eggs up. The shot of the xenomorph like fucking jumping from wall to wall as it's getting closer. That's one of my favorite shots in the whole movie. I love it. Right after she lights up that that face hugger egg and that thing just comes leaping around the corner. You're like, holy fuck, man. Like to me, that's something scarier than if you just saw this thing running down a hallway. Just the the, the leap factor on it. Like you imagine how you imagine the dunk ratio on these like xenomorphs with airplanes and basketball, <laughs> dude. Like holy fuck. Um Getting those three pointers, babe. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just like the Michael Jordan '96 slam dunk, slam dunk contest, but it's like a xenomorph like with a ball in its hand. Um, That's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, fucking dumb. I know, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, she 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 starts blowing up these fucking um, yeah, blowing up these guys left and right. She's killing them, and she stumbles. I mean, literally ass backwards into the nest the fucking nest like guys guys talk to me about this scene somebody uh josh you mind if i go first (laughs) this is one of my favorite scenes in cinema history ever holy shit man like just the way everything drops out music all sounds and all you hear is (sighs) 
<laughs> it's fucking intense, dude. And you see it, the, 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 the decision to shoot this egg first and then moving your way up and like up the fucking i don't know egg tube or whatever the fuck you want to call that shit and like kind of seeing the shadows of the eggs inside the tube and keep panning up and up until you see the queen and it's fucking beautiful dude like it's just absolutely brilliant um the the sound of the breathing is james cameron Oh, cool. <laughs> I, I didn't know this, that. Did not know that before watching it this time around. The sound of the breathing is James Cameron. The sound of like um the the queen actually like squealing and making noises is James Cameron. Cameron. Um the sound designer Gary Rydstrom said he wanted to use like a a sound of like dry ice blending in with like monkey screams, but <laughs> Cameron heard it and he's like, "No, nope, I'm not doing that." And then he just recorded it himself. Um Josh you, what do you think about this, man? Uh, it's awesome. The, the patience, like I said, to yeah. to just, you know, go from heavy action Take to your this time. That, build. I think that, that helps. Yeah, to just build up this dread. And that look of that creature, you know, so what's done so well in this movie is is what you see and don't see. You know, like you're calling when you're talking about that thing jumping around. Ultimately, that's a dude. It's just a dude in a, in a bug suit. So yeah. if you don't shoot that right, that could look silly as fuck, but they, he does such a good job of just showing the right snippets. And then when you have something that's going to look badass, you really take the time to see this queen unfurl and that mouth descend out of its face, man. Holy fuck. And then, you know, it's, it's maybe a little on the nose, but it's fine. Like the mom on mom thing, right. Of they're both (laughs) protecting their babies, you know, um, Ripley's got newt and she threatens the eggs in a very, you know, deliberate way. And the queen responds by sending those minions away and, uh, buying, Ripley the time to go back and then just go house on the whole room. Well, yeah, and the whole like you guys said, the sound drops, no dialogue, nothing. There's no, there's not even a, ah, there's not, it's literally, they just look at each other. She has to do one thing, blow that fire in the air. And the queen's like, everybody back up, everybody back up. And everybody yeah. backs the fuck up. It's so Dude, awesome. 16 people to operate this puppet. Oh, yes, shit. dude. Fucking crazy. Sixteen. I, 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 they were in that panel. They're like, how tall did this thing stand? They're like, I mean, sitting down, it was like twelve feet tall. And Lance Henriksen's like, man, when I was in the air, fucking about to get ripped in half, I felt a fucking hell of a lot f- farther than twelve feet in the air. <laughs> He's like, I thought, Fuck. I thought I was forty feet up somewhere, but um, for sure. My, Is my, it- I'll go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say this quick shot here. It's that overhead shot of like Ripley just like burning the fuck out of these eggs. That was a Vietnam shot. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. That shot looks like ripped out of like Watchmen. You know how yeah, it's like that yeah. quick like Vietnam sequence. Yeah. Well, and I, I dig the whole thing of, you know, the thing is, I, I here's here's, a, you know, Ripley's backing up. I don't think she has any because she knows what's about to happen to this planet. Why does she need to set everything on fire? She's like, I'm just going to back up. See you guys later, because you don't know what's about to happen. But then we see the egg open up, and she's like, no, 
fuck this. Like, I know what you're doing. And she just torches everything. She's like, which again is like, is it necessary? No, because the whole planet's getting destroyed in fucking four minutes. But at the same time, it's kind of like, it's just a fuck you to the queen. It's like, fuck you. Like, I, you know, I, not that we're having some treat, some truce right now, but the fact that you're not even going to let me walk out of this room, like you see this egg start opening. I was like, holy shit, that's such a cool detail. I really dig it. Um, so, yeah, she fucking she torches the whole place up. She starts blowing the, the shot of her as she's shooting and she's kind of we see the counter going down and her squinting as she's firing. I fucking dig it, man. You see her a little bit more proficient with the weapon. Um, and um, and yeah, all this. I mean, she, she she kind of she throws the whole grenade belt. She starts blasting grenades into the queen's like fucking like vagina sack. I really, really dig that. We just <laughs> see the holes getting blown in it and all this goo coming out. And she just rips herself off of that thing. Like, God, <sighs> the pain, like it, it made me empathize with this thing. Like the pain of ripping yourself off from that thing. Like, oh, God, like that's got to fucking hurt like a motherfucker, dude. <laughs> yeah, I hate when I tear my egg sack. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like man. it's like it's like getting your balls frozen. <laughs> like you put your balls on like an ice statue or some shit and getting it stuck there. God. It's just like it's like Joe Dirt when the dog's nuts get stuck to the front porch, <laughs> like pulling the dog's nuts out. Um, uh. So she yeah she detaches from her nest she uh, she's chasing him. Uh, we have this kind of elevator chase where um, you know Ripley and Newt get in and start going up. I love as the elevator opens up and the queen looks at it. But I just wanted one scene of the queen going up and it's kind of like this boom doom 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 like the elevator music playing. And she's, <laughs> yeah, she's like tapping her she's like tapping her big fucking xenomorph foot and like her head bobbing left to right and she's like looking at her watch. She's like uh. um, the idea of a xenomorph taking an elevator fucking makes me laugh though i'm sorry <laughs> it, i'm sorry yeah, it's I thought that was fucking weird but i mean it's still i don't think it still works for me either i no, mean she's I, an intelligent creature she's saw yeah. ripley get in one and go up and then the other one opens and she, she saw the thing ascend so she's like okay as long as they don't show like you said that little finger reaching out and hitting like <laughs> landing pad <laughs> We have to assume it just automatically goes to the top floor, okay? Right. Uh, fucking, there's like a, there's like a, like one of those people who operates the lift in there going up, sir. <laughs> right, yeah. And he's got like a nice, like velvet, like kind of uh, jacket well, we're on. We're in Britain, right? So, right. It's gotta be. <laughs> 31st floor, menswear. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, yeah, the the whole image of her writing this thing—it's just—it's fucking. I, you know, I would have died just to see her rip through this thing and crawl up the fucking shaft. Like, do that—that's cool. Like, that's that's way more menacing because she's big enough to take up an entire elevator shaft. Like, holy fuck! Um, but yeah, Ripley arrived. I don't even have the money for that, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Ripley Ripley arrives. Uh, Bishop is gone. At first, it's like, why? Why the fuck is he gone? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that landing pad is crumbling apart. <laughs> I didn't really think about that. But I and this is now considered tropey. But like this thing just gets stretched out further. And for, I mean, the last minute pulling up away from the planet. And I was like, I know this was probably not tropey at the time. But man, I mean, I just I could do without the whole like skin of your teeth every single time you watch one of these movies. And, and I, I don't hate it. But at, at the end of the day, I was like, you know, I can just do with her throwing her on the ship, getting it getting out of there because ultimately you know they're so close that as soon as they fly away when this thing explodes they're still going to get rocked with that fucking white light and i love that 
I think that's a James Cameron thing, though. Like, like his his climaxes are often pretty fucking massive and pre- like I guess really really long. Um, yeah, and they, they often, are. Uh, they, <laughs> they often they often have kind of like these really sort of like you know little sequences within them that are just like we're gonna we're gonna pretend that you know something's gonna happen here or like you know someone's gonna lose their life but it doesn't really happen happens in t2 quite a bit um you know from the helicopter chase to the end to the smelting plant um but i mean obviously i think it was done better there and avatar just goes on for eight years it seems like well i would say i'd give maybe it's unfair but i'm gonna give it the credit here and even if it is a little excessive because you want complete relief like you want it to be like okay you really stretch that out they did it they got away for, for the final like reconfrontation to have the payoff you know what i mean like if it yeah if it was a little bit quicker and you know less drawn out i think maybe you'd have a little bit more suspicion it's it's hard to again when i saw this so long ago i didn't even remember maybe i'm interested to hear what you think zoeb you know if having seen it more recently, did you, did you think there was another confrontation to come when they cleared this? Cause that's obviously what he was trying to do. I mean, say, I, I think, yeah, I, I definitely do remember thinking I, I had no idea. Cause I definitely heard of the get away from her, you bitch moment. And like, I yeah, remember okay. thinking, yeah, watching this movie the first time I was like, that hasn't happened. What the fuck? Um, and, and I, I think it was like ruined for me a little bit by that but yeah i mean definitely like there is like so somewhat of like a, a <sighs> there's no triumphant moment like do you know what i mean there's no sort of like moment here on the landing pad where it's like okay the queen's dead we can all celebrate or some shit like that like you don't explicitly see the queen dead and like the the introduction of the queen is so massive like when we first see her like there's that uh, epic epic moment when you just see her that we just described and like there's no sort of like death that kind of like balances that out like here um until like you know we get to the 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 draw the, the battle on the ship so i don't think i uh, yeah i don't really think it it works in in that sense hmm. okay you're right. wrong, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because I can see, like, I I think if this had been a little bit shorter, I'd be like, okay, cool, because now we're down for the big bad fight. Even when we're away from LV-426, this has followed us home. And I think that I think that's fine, but it is kind of like a false climax in a way, which, I mean, it it, it is and it isn't. You know what I mean? I don't want to get, like, too hung up on it, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's fair to debate whether it works, but clearly the intention is for it to be a false climax because yeah, once yeah, they yeah. get up here and I mean, the music transitions is this great, like peaceful relief kind of music. Everything goes calm as the ship gets, you know, into the star field. And then that, you know, they have this nice moment. Bishop and Ripley finally have this nice moment together, you know, where she pays him the respect that he's obviously earned. And when that fucking thing, I remember as a kid. I don't remember how surprised I was or anything, but just that visual, I think stuck with me more than anything. When I first saw the movie of the, the thing coming out of his stomach, the tail and the, the milk coming out of his mouth and then getting ripped in half and his gross white Android cuts everywhere. (laughs) Man, 
Yeah, it's um, it's, it's amazing. It's fantastic. Apparently, um, the the milk or like whatever solution that he had, that he's got in his mouth, um, because they had to reshoot this quite a few times. They left like the milk outside. Yeah, uh, and it went bad. <laughs> so I think he got really sick from that. Was that a thing, Colin? Yeah, I that was in the panel. They said for like four days he had like horrible food poisoning. It was vomiting, <sighs> and it, it was all the silicone latex plus this milk that they had left out. And the guy who did all the special effects was on the panel, and he goes, "I've I've said this multiple times, but I have got to say again, Lance, we really put you through a lot of shit in this movie, and I'm so sorry." Like him, like the whole act of him getting ripped in half is like shot in reverse somehow and he had to act it backwards and they're like man you know hats off to Lance Henderson he was just such a fucking trooper during this movie and even to the point where like they're like yeah what we're gonna do is we're just gonna have like this um kind of like the the Peter Weller RoboCop like thing laying on the floor that's obviously an animatronic and Lance Henderson's like no fuck that I can do it and they're like are you sure you have to like be like sewn into the floor like you're gonna have to lay there with have you like your legs under the floor and he's like yeah that's fine i can do it that guy's just such a fucking trooper man he's illiterate until the age of 30 by the way never never completed anything past the first grade and you're like holy shit i love how like he had like a such a crazy experience on this film but he's like i'll just come back for the next one as well it's fine it's all good (laughs) right (laughs) well i mean in avp i'm pretty sure he is yeah he's wayland yeah yeah that's so interesting man um but uh but yeah i mean <laughs> Is it? Um, but yeah, the queen pops up. She she fucking uh, spears him through the chest and crawls down. Holy fuck, man! Like, oh, and the way she rips him in half, one arm pulling the other way. Like, oh god, that's so fucking brutal. Um, and the fact that like I know he can't feel pain, but it's just something so unnerving about him laying there with literally his guts laying. Like what you said, Josh. Like, <laughs> like there's something immediately. It's like, <laughs> it's like smelling dog shit. You're just like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and you know obviously Hicks is totally sedated from his injuries we forgot to mention that um the queen goes for Newt, similar as how Ripley has just gone after her babies, but Ripley manages to get her attention, and she chases her instead. Um, I like this uh, this old little uh, hide-and-seek game between old Newt and the queen. I like that. Um, I actually, I dig the movement of Ripley running for the door and the queen, like, because everything that we've seen, the queen has been very stationary, and we haven't seen her move and, like, run. Totally. But when she runs for the door, you're like, oh, fuck. Like that's like you really get the sense of how actually big she is out outside of the nest. Man, I'll I'll tell you what, like, and this is this is why I was like really excited for Alien Covenant. Um, and I'm I'm gonna take Resurrection out of the fucking game because it's dog shit. But like seeing the aliens created with today's technology and like seeing them move, that I'm not even kidding. Like that was something that was a, a highlight for uh, Covenant for me like because I I I mean the alien designs are fantastic um, but I don't think that they especially in these early movies I don't think that they move as well as they could only because they're limited by the technology and they're limited by the practical effects Um, the CG in Covenant uh, it's pretty it's solid and the way the way they make these aliens move is is fucking awesome and I'd been waiting for ages to see that um, I think the I think the queen kind of still moves a little, sort of like clunkily. If that yeah, makes sense. for sure. No, it, it, def- yeah. it, it definitely looks a little 
It looks a little warbly. I like how you're like, yeah, the the, the effects on Covenant are solid. Well, even a dog turd is solid. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Still a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen. I believe that uh, I have one final Do clip it. to one final Do clip it. to play for you. Let me get this. I fucking knew up. it was like, coming too. Oh, of course! You, if there's one thing we got to play a clip from, come on. <laughs> get away from her, you bitch! Oh, it's awesome. Awesome. So amazing. So, I mean, this is pretty tough. It's a, it's the obvious fight between the two of them. Not a great fight. I don't really love it. It's, it's cool. It's, yeah. It's cool in concept, but you can, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's cool, but. Like, like Zoab said, it's, it's the problem with the tech. You know, you just can't, you can't show the whole thing, pan back and show them fight and make it look awesome. So you got to be creative with angles and cuts the tail right. thing swinging around looks great yes that's cool. awesome by the way yeah. i mean if this if this were a real situation she's going i mean ripley's going down i'm sorry like this you are not you're not beating this queen with that i'm sorry i know no. i know that it's like a big powerful robot machine thing that probably weighs a ton but the mobility of that i imagined that this queen would have i mean I kept thinking about like D and D terms, like fucking. Like, wait, this thing has claw claw bite and a fucking tail strike. Fuck, what challenge rating is this, man? Fuck yeah, dude. I mean, like seriously, it's Get got over, it's, man. It's got so many ways to kill you, and I mean, also your chest is exposed. Like that's a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But obviously, you know, we get the fight. Um, I really dig the fact that as she she picks the thing up right when she's about to go throw it out, it pulls her in with armor. Like, oh, the thing you thought was going to help you is what ends up dragging you down here with me. I was like, okay, that's fucking cool. Um, But of course, she crawls out. She ends up flipping the airlock uh, and very similar to the first film, sucks the fucking bitch out and she's gone. Uh, I I, I do. um, Go ahead. Slightly, slightly disappointed by that. <laughs> That's oh, all I'm yeah. gonna say. Like, well, cause, just I mean, she she kills it the same way she kills the first one. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's a little yeah. I don't know. I mean, like how how many how else are you gonna kill it though? Well, the thing that cracks me up is that it grabs a hold of her leg and it doesn't rip her fucking leg off. I'm like, no, come on, at least take a limb. Like she shouldn't walk away from this like completely unscathed. Like, um, yeah. But of course, it gets it gets jettisoned out in the space. I love Bishop catching Newt. I just love. I don't know why I love that. It's so it's cool. Great. Like yeah. even with him with half his guts hanging out all over the floor, it's like I'm still resourceful. Uh, so <laughs> he, 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 I'm still he, useful. Yeah. I'm helping. Please, I'm helping. Please, please don't decommission me after this. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, she crawls back up, they get the bay door shut, and, uh, I mean, this is pretty much the end of the movie. They all go to hypersleep, she tells her don't have any bad dreams, and I love Lance Henriksen, not bad for a human. Like, oh, that's so good, dude. That's such good a shit. BA fucking line to end yeah. this on. Um, and they all go into hypersleep, and they definitely don't 
uh, get killed in Alien 3 <laughs> off camera. So, uh, guys, that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, that's the Alien, guys, that's that's the alien franchise. As we <laughs> yeah, <know>. right. <laughs> and they made no um, more movies because there's nothing more to talk about. Right. Oh, now, yeah. apparently the unused Alien 3 script is now a radio drama, and Lance Henriksen and Michael Bean came back to do it. I don't know That's where cool. you can listen to it, but you can find it somewhere. It's an unused script that they did a radio drama for. And I was like, oh, man, I've always wanted to listen to a radio drama so I can sit around a fire, smoke a corncob pipe, and act like I'm working in the field during the <laughs> Depression. Like Something about that I think is so interesting. But I mean, uh, the, got- the, the production troubles for Alien 3 could be a movie all of themselves. All by itself, like oh that, yeah, that movie is that's Fincher, littered. right? Yeah, it's David Fincher's first movie, and he was just kind of like pushed around a lot by Twentieth Century Fox. And man, the amount of the amount of like fucking <laughs> studio interference in that movie was just next level. Um, I I actually I, I can't remember. It might have been Hey, do you remember? Uh, like Chris and the guys did a fantastic episode on Alien for it. Um, that just yeah, totally shines a light on that. Well, I mean, and it's like Ridley Scott, James Cameron, David Fincher. There should have been the third home run right there. But I mean, if you'd have left David Fincher to it, I'm sure it would have been fucking awesome. Because what he did, Alien, then turned around and did like seven, not even a year or a year or two later, maybe. I mean, he just absolutely crushed that. Uh, I mean, did, wait, just, did, did Fight Club come first or was it seven? I think seven. I, I, I think uh-huh. seven. I thought, well, Fight Club was 99. Yeah, I think seven was. Oh, first. okay, yeah, it's seven then. Yeah, yeah because Learned, stay yeah. in your fucking lane, bitch. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? You you stay in your lane because you still haven't seen seven, bitch. I haven't. Never seen oh, it. Okay. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know there what's you in the box. No, I've seen eight. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, have you mentioned James Horner earlier? And um, yeah, you know the the music is great in here, but um, man, the the finale as you know they defeat the queen. Uh, it sounds a shitload like the um, finale from Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan. <laughs> I, I picked up on like that it. too, <laughs> which is only is, I think it was like three years earlier or something. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a little blatant. <laughs> well, guys, that's fucking aliens. Uh, oh, Holy sorry, shit. my throat my throat totally went dry. Um, final it only thoughts. Took us eight, eight years. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, whoever wants to go first, final thoughts. You want to do a comment or not? Well, I fig- oh yeah, you want to read comments first. Uh, I mean, you know what? Seeing seeing as like you know the 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 guys put their effort in, I'll I'll read a couple if that's cool. Yeah, no, go. I uh, was gonna do final thoughts and then comments, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, we'll close on final thoughts. Fuck it. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for commenting. Holy shit, Danielle Cutter. Uh, she says, "Fucking love this movie." Ellen Ripley is one of the greatest characters of all time. It's infinitely quotable. The cast is great and Stan Winston's effects are phenomenal. The Queen Alien is only rivaled by the T-Rex from Jurassic Park for me in terms of awe-inspiring practical effects. As much as I love the original, Aliens is the one I find myself throwing on for a rewatch way more often. This is definitely a desert island movie for me. Cannot wait to hear your coverage of it. So, thanks so much for that, Daniel. Danielle, rather. Uh, you're a female. <laughs> um, yeah, hope we did it justice. Uh, this one was a, a, a tough one to approach, I think. <laughs> oh, for uh, sure. Of course, Patrick Harrington, this movie's so fucking good. Nathan Burkhart left quite a lengthy message. Uh, I'm going to try and attempt all of it, but so stick with me, guys. Fucking Nathan, you can't be succinct, can you? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh my god, I love this movie. I used to watch it almost once a week. We are Ellen Ripley fans in my family. I was gifted alien hallmark ornaments from my mother. Hardcore. 
I talk crap about most of the sequels, but I'd I'd still watch them again. Even the bad ones have watchable parts. I agree with that, Nathan. Aliens is definitely the best one. They ticked a lot of genre boxes with this one. Horror, thriller, action, comedy, etc. I'd say Alien is one of the most one of the best acted horror movies ever and one of the scariest without actually showing the monster until the end of the movie. Even then, it was a crappy rubber suit and it was still uh, it was still suspenseful, suspenseful and scary. Can't wait to hear this one. I used to quote that movie all the time. I hear I heard there was extra footage, director's cut out there, and I tracked it down pre-internet. This is one of the movies by which I measure a person's worth as a human by their reaction to it or opinion <laughs> of it. Nice. Uh, nice. B- BP9000 just said, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, uh, I got a couple of them pulled up from Instagram. Uh, Matt nice. Fallon, who is always very chatting, always chatting awesome. up on Instagram. Appreciate it. Original is great, but Aliens was better. Uh, I mean, Ooh. hard to argue. A lot of people feel that way. Uh, Jesse Privet, hell yes. Short and sweet. I love it. Dean, I get, I get fucking Roadhouse. Matthew and Josh get Aliens <laughs> and get out. A gross misallocation <laughs> of resources. Oh, and I had to throw Stay in there. Lane, Dean. <laughs> I told him, oh, and, and uh, don't forget, Matt also got the invitation, so. Um, yeah, nice. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck this person's name is. Sean, sh- sh- Sean, Sean Tarleton Racing uh, said, love it and need more, like Alien and Aliens. I mean, hard to argue with that. Fucking great comment. Thanks, all you guys, for commenting in. Um, are there any more? Did I miss any? I don't think I did. I think that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Guys, final thoughts. Somebody, please. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we've gushed over this movie enough, and, uh, man, balls on you, Zoheb, complain about being succinct to a listener after we just ramble for a fucking three and a half hours or whatever. Uh, no, but there's not a lot to add. I absolutely love this movie. You know, as I'm listening to those comments, you know, I wish if somebody hadn't seen the movies, I would definitely recommend seeing Alien first, because I, I think it sets it up well. And I, you know, what sure. makes it so great as a as a two-part punch and you, you know you don't really think about it a lot is it's just the 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 clever simpleness the the brilliant simpleness of those titles alien aliens <laughs> you take a movie that's about one alien that's a horror that's this close tight you know uh just absolute you know seat edgier seat digging your fingernails in and then just you a pressure cooker <laughs> yep then you up the stakes by making a bunch of them. So, cause it's how else would you, the, the two things they do great here is they raise the stakes by having a bunch of aliens. And you know, along with that, they have bring a lot more firepower into it because of course they would, because they have the option to, and yet they're still overwhelmed by it. Um, and then the, the personal story here, this is really about Ripley. And, um, that's something, like I said, I didn't appreciate nearly as much. I think a couple of those scenes in the special edition are absolutely critical for that. Um, to really bring it home, but man, absolute top, uh, probably top 10 movie for sure for me. Um, all time. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. Zo- Zoe, what about you? Man. Yeah. Like, like you said, Josh, what, what else can we say about this movie that hasn't been said already? Like this is, um, probably, I mean, alongside T2, probably the perfect sequel. And it's insane that it's one director who directed both. Um, it's not, every day that you get a sequel that is as strong as the first one, if not better. Um, and something that just absolutely ups the stakes that is just so 
mired in popular culture that everyone knows knows it. Everyone knows the references. If we were to say, get away from her, you bitch, um, people aren't going to look sideways at you for swearing. Um, they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, that's aliens. That's cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, like this is just a, an absolutely infinitely rewatchable movie. Danielle 100% hit the nail on the head when she said, this is the one that's more rewatchable because it's just a lot more entertaining. It's like, uh, Josh, here's something that I'm going to throw back in your face. <laughs> um, I I was re- I was re-listening to LSG Media's coverage of Goodfellas not long ago, and something I think you said, okay, Godfather is probably the better movie, but mm. Goodfellas is the more entertaining, and that's the one that I prefer to rewatch. And I wholeheartedly agreed with that sentiment. And, like, that, I think, applies here. Um, I think a lot of, like, movie aficionados would choose Alien over Aliens, but Aliens is the more rewatchable one and probably, you know, might even enter the the, the ring as probably the better one, for me at least. But, um, yeah, man, love this fucking movie. Really glad to have covered it with you, Josh and Colin, as always. Um, fuck yeah. Colin, give me your final thoughts. Short and sweet, 10 out of 10. Guys, thanks for listening to us. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I love this movie. It's a 10 out of 10. We talked for three and a half hours. I got nothing else. I'm tapped. Uh, Yeah, That's pretty much it. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for coming on. Doors always open. Please, if there's ever anything else you want to cover, um, anything else from that list, you're more than welcome. Just fucking drop a date. Your doors, anybody from LSG, doors always open to come and be on this show. Cool. I'll see you Um, next week for Alien Covenant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh no, I'd rather kill myself. <laughs> Wait till my my little mouth comes out of my big mouth and rips your heart from your chest. Um now guys, uh thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to check out the LSU community as you've heard so much on this podcast. I'm still waiting for those checks for their free ad revenue that they get. Um no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, the X Files podcast for sure. Um Yes. It's, it's fantastic. You guys uh you guys do a great job covering that show, man. Like it's 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 beautiful. Check out their community as well, and check out uh, Josh's business. I guess right, Mass Escape. Yeah, yeah. If you're in the uh, if you're in the South Massachusetts area or ever visiting this way, uh, got a escape room called Mass Escape. Hell yeah, pretty goddamn good. Pretty goddamn good. We're like the um, I think ninth rated in the U.S. Goddamn. Oh that's, wow, that's, that's fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. Dude, there are a shit ton in Nashville. So to be the number ninth in the U.S., like, that's fucking awesome, dude. Hats off. Like, really, that's fucking really cool. Uh, Like, I can literally throw a rock in Nashville and hit a fucking (laughs) escape room now. But, um, guys, thank you so much for hanging late, listening to our coverage of Aliens. I mean, we've got a host on. It's one of the best movies of all time. What the fuck did you think was going to happen? This ain't going to be our 2011 coverage of The Thing, okay? This is not going to be an hour and a half long episode. So fuck you if you thought that. Um of course, you can always check us out, uh, tagging our socials really quick. Facebook and Midnight Double Feature, we have the group called The After Party. Please, everybody's welcome. Come and join that. It's where we post our memes and have a little fun. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Midnight Double Feature. We're on Twitter at MDFPod. You can shoot us an email, midnightdoublefeature at gmail.com. Uh, please stop by, rate, review us on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. One star, three star, five stars. Fuck your mother. I don't care. 
put something in there. Let us know exactly how we're doing. We always love to hear feedback, uh, even if it's you know constructive negative feedback. And like I said, go check out LSE and any any of the other podcasts we constantly drop on here. Pop List, Countdown to Geek Town, Hey Do You Remember, Married People Watch Movies. Uh, I think it's a great community that we have built up. And through a community like that, we can have people uh, like Josh on and uh, maybe a new uh, guest that we're going to have on for the first time soon. A little teaser, going to stick the tip of that in there. Like, uh, <laughs> make, you, make you wait till next week. And, uh, uh, but please don't fuck your mother. We don't condone incest. <laughs> <laughs> please fuck your mother. Um, guys, you got anything else before we get out of here? No, I'm good, dude. I'm fucked. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh, thanks again for coming on, staying late. Guys, we will catch you later. Cue that outro music. Music.